We'll pretend that that wasn't the second time. <laughs> <laughs> that thing, like... <laughs> that thing's like uh, Insta Smile. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you, it like lifts the corners of your mouth upward. <laughs> like I don't know if that works in public that way, but I know over my headphones it worked that way. You you know what? Um, I don't really have much experience with playing it in public except for i went on a hike around here and uh there was a lady coming up the hill and i was just playing on the way down and she was like i feel like i'm in tibet right now (laughs) because she was like tibetan or something like that's where she came from and that's so that was really cool. That is really. You were just walking down the hill the whole time playing it, or just playing yeah, it in yeah. reverse. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like if I go on a hike, I can I like play on the way down if the if it's not too like crazy, and I'm like, <sighs> you know, like breathing all hard. But that must be very calming. That okay. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> there's, well, there's... it's it's nice. You know what though? It's it's really nice to get feedback because I. I'm when I'm playing I'm mostly like by myself somewhere. Is that just the one tune? Like do you know the the one tune and just practice that or uh, do you have different Yeah, ones? Th- that one lately just because I've um I don't know, I just stumbled upon it on accident and I just like it. So it that's the one. That's one of my favorites now. But mostly I just like freestyle when I'm when I'm out, you know. You know what scene I love in a in a do you know the movie The Dark Crystal? <laughs> yes. Isn't there a scene where he's the the Gelfling, like the main character, is playing one of those? He's like he's like a new he's nude by the the <laughs> creek or whatever and he's playing one of those. You know, I, I don't oh wait, wait, wait. Maybe I do remember that. There's but and then another one comes and they like are on the run or something. I actually, you know what? I don't remember. <laughs> he gets called or something. Yeah. It was, that's the, uh, you know, the beginning of the hero's oh, journey okay, in that okay, movie. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Remember it a little more. It's when he doesn't know he's the chosen one yet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, I don't even know where to start. Like, um, I think we'll, we'll do another podcast sometimes where it can be very specific because I could literally just have three pages of notes going through, all of your sections and everything. Cause like, I remember with the Jason Marshall podcast, there was just so many specific things historically to talk yeah. about, yeah, about like, huge. about, yeah, like a skate career, but, um, we'll definitely just free flow this one. Totally. Like you said, um, oh, yeah. what, so do you define, I mean, if someone asks you what you did for a job, is your job a professional rollerblader? Yeah, that's what I say. I think it's the most, it's like the easiest thing to say, even though I, while I'm saying that, I recognize that, you know, maybe saying professional inline skater is more professional, I get maybe, I guess, but I say rollerblading because that's just what it's always been to me. So, and everyone knows it as that. And not know? only that, it's the, that's the brand that you skate for. Exactly. So you're actually, you're allowed to say rollerblader. Whereas the yeah. other companies, I don't think they can say no. rollerblades in their <laughs> offices. No. It's it's a very interesting thing that, you know, the company started as it did and then it became so popular and that's what it became, you know? Like, do you call it uh, tissue or Kleenex? Uh, t- 
tissue, I think. You do? Yeah, I say tissue. But um, I don't even say either of those words very much, so I don't really have much experience in the field. <laughs> there was a, a video that I posted of a hockey player doing training, and it was 1970-something. Uh-huh. And um, the original name for rollerblades were street skates. Huh. That, that's how he described them. And yeah. uh, that's, I think, what the, the Olsen dudes stumbled across was a pair of street skates. And then they yeah. became rollerblades. So I always thought that was interesting if the actual... If that stuck historically, street skates, I wonder yeah. how different it would be. Yeah, I mean, that that actually seems like the more accurate term for them. Yeah. That's probably actually what it should be called, is like street skating. Because that's the most direct name for what we're doing. Yeah. I yeah. kind of like the whole uh, rollerblade and rollerblading uh, massive, windy side road that we've been on. Yeah, it's <laughs> and that we're still on and what it what that word carries along with it as well. Definitely. It's pretty it and it ranges from you know person to person the reactions. One of the one of the most popular reactions is always like, "Oh yeah, I used to do that." You know. And I and I actually find it very interesting that I find random people that actually grinded too. That one has been surprising to me too that yeah because you feel it's it, you when as soon as you hear someone say like they used to grind and stuff you immediately are like oh yeah you were around during that time and you remember how you felt and you're assuming that they felt the same way about you know like senate and you know hoax too and those kind of feelings that we all remember during that period of time um but I don't know. I, maybe some of them don't have that. But it's always exciting when when some of them do remember that time period because it was a very, I don't know, it was a very special time period. We're still living it too. Yeah, we are. Somehow, we really are. somehow. Was, you know, I was actually uh, living it quite a bit today, and I live it when I skate with old friends like you know Jason Maduda and stuff. But um, I don't know if you know who Randy Bernal is. Uh, um, did he do? Um, when we were talking about bizarre grinds, did he do the soul? The he he has tricks in VG four, doesn't he? Yeah. And does he do the 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 soul where both your toes point inward, or am I just thinking oh of no Toya? no that's uh <laughs> that's I think that's Anthony Baroga. Oh okay, I got that wrong. Yeah, he's but... an old school San Francisco. He's Filipino guy, but d- different Filipino, but um. Randy Bernal is a good friend of mine and he's, he's an awesome DJ and B-boy and all this stuff and he still skates and I skated with him today and I also skated with Mark Biala who shared the section with John Julio in 18 days. Seriously? Yeah. And he is, wow, inspiring. He's, he's so gung-ho and he does, he just, he's one of those people that just does stuff, you know? They think about something and then they just do it. They don't think about like whether maybe they'll get hurt or if maybe they can't do it. And he was just going all out today and it was just, it was so awesome and inspiring. And we were talking actually a lot about dancing and parkour and mixing skating with dancing because he's a, you know, of b-boy descent too. And he's trying to innovate all kinds of stuff now. And he did a, we were talking about those, you know that parkour move where you do the side flip, you put your hands up against the wall and then you do the side flip? Yeah. 
he we were talking about that before we went skating and he's like oh man that'd be cool to you know do that and he went up to this like little vert wall today and he just went for it and i was like holy crap i'm i don't even feel like trying that and he just went for it and almost landed it and it was really amazing and and skating with those dudes it's uh it's kind of like a time machine you know back to certain like the vibe of certain sessions uh you know we're just different during that time there's a time isn't a prison at all there's there's a vibe that i get usually when i go to like a canadian comp Mm -hmm. Uh, i haven't been to the more recent ones like i haven't gone to pop contests but there's something about you can like tap into it instantly Mm -hmm. and you can't tap into it by yourself and you can't tap into it (laughs) maybe sessioning with like a certain group of people there's like specific people that instantly certain stuff comes back i don't know what that that is you know what i think i well there's something to be said about when people get together in a group and they all focus on something and uh like like when you're at a contest and everyone's in the stands and everyone's like watching this one thing happening there's so much energy there it's like putting a magnifying glass with the sun on a on something you know and it's so concentrated because it's like focusing the energy of the sun so it's like if everyone's focusing on a very on the same thing and a very similar thing it like makes this concentrated energy and it can be very powerful and i feel like when you get in a group of people and you all have kind of like the same uh like vibe or kind of like direction with the way you're skating with each other, it creates that and you're all connected through that. And I guess on the extreme other side, it would be like if a bunch of people went to skate together, but then everyone plugged in headphones and didn't communicate, but skated together. Cause that's how I feel when, not that, but when I'm with like an old school group of friends or a particular group of friends, it's like everyone's kind of having the same focus, even though everyone's doing something different, but, we're all kind of like sharing and playing together, you know? We're all playing the same game. And Definitely. so participating in that same game. And I think there's something very, you know, powerful to be said about that, you know? And I've felt that feeling at concerts before where you mm-hmm. get that the, those like shivers, you know, mm-hmm. when the person first comes out on stage or the band comes out on stage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a similar thing. And I think Todd did a a very specific no headphones rule at um pop contest because of oh, that. <laughs> I mean I I love headphones when I'm by myself. It's like it's amazing and and when I grew up there would be times where I wouldn't have friends to skate with and I had my walkman and you know I was just pretending I was Dustin Latimer or something and <laughs> You know what I mean? Or like, and that shit was hard to skate with too. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it often got slammed. And I mean, they weren't very expensive back in the day, and you can get really cheap ones. But, um, and you probably had some Game Boy headphones. And <laughs> I, I've tried before to skate with headphones, even by myself, and I still haven't. Uh, I haven't found my groove yet. Yeah, and you know, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not your groove, and that's totally cool too. I, when I'm for tricks, like uh, like at a skate park, I can't. Uh-huh. At any other time, if I'm just skating on a path or down streets yeah. or going full speed on speed skates or something, then music for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
or running or any kind of thing where you're, you know, long distancing or something like that. Did the guy who went for the the wall flip? I can't remember his name. Uh, Randy? No, the no, different. Mark Biala. Yeah. Did had he seen it in in edits? before yeah yeah he that's what we were talking about they were just blown away about they were blown away by matthew ledoux skating and they were just like wow that is just amazing and it's incredible and most people outside of the direct niche of skating will say the same thing you know will be like amazed at what he's doing because what he's doing is amazing like no one else is doing I, i can do it you know so he was just excited about that direction you know he was doing he was combining different things so he's been doing this like um and he he's i don't know if it's just recently but he got back into skating Uh, john julio gave him some volos and he has just been like telling me what he's been doing he's been doing kind of trying to do like jump over you know his leg like thread the needle type stuff and um other like grab he was like grabbing a royale but behind his leg, his front leg. And then he was saying he was trying to bring that front leg and bring it through his arm and his other foot and then go to a Royale again. Whoa. I don't know if you could visualize that. Like a thread the needle Royale kind of. Yeah, thread the needle Royale. Um, Damien Wilson's (laughs) done kind of stuff like that, but without the arm grab. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Damien was a wizard with that stuff. I'm still surprised there's some just some super innovative skaters who don't get mentioned enough because you know there's people who have like very a very specific skill set that's really distinct yeah um but then you don't see people trying to emulate it you know yeah like um let me think like for julio the wall ride topsail uh-huh. you might see that a little bit more now but for years nobody was doing it or nobody could do it yeah you know i think back in the day people did innovative things and then couldn't really, you know, do it. It was just like, that was his thing, you know, and you didn't like, you either had to like do it even better to where it wouldn't be compared to it or you just didn't do it. And, and what I just said is interesting because that was the mindset that I grew up with skating. It was like, you watched a video and someone did something new and innovative and you were like, oh man, that's, that's a new direction to go in. But you didn't copy it exactly. You had to do it. You had to throw your own twist on it so that it, you know, wasn't, didn't look like you mimicked them, even though you, you know, you were influenced by it. But then you added your own thing. I feel like that's coming back a little bit too. Yeah. Um, More style based. Yeah. I think it is too. I, I think things have slowed down quite a bit. Yeah. But they're even, I think they're even speeding up. And I noticed this pattern in you know it's it's out there a lot like you know you look at Broscow and farmer and and those dudes and there was the period where they were just like pushing the limits you know like beyond limits <laughs> like superman limits happy you know this they were doing that and then you saw this kind of like slowdown period where they were not going gung-ho anymore and then there was this rise in people and they were kind of talking trash and they were like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Or why doesn't he skate like that anymore? Or blah, blah, blah. But I almost think it was this like kind of natural, not regression, but this kind of like focusing more on some not simpler things, but less like, you know, charging something and hucking it kind of 
thing, you know, but like really fine tuning some of your style and stuff like that. And, and now you see people like, you know, Broscow, he's combining this incredibly flawless, you know, technical skating with big stuff too, even so much as you don't even notice sometimes that it is huge because it just, just looks so, you know, fluid and easy. <laughs> I, have th- I think about that a lot when I watch skating. When you yeah. watch a skate video, it, it does, it looks like when you put your skates back on that you're going to be really good at skating. Like the way that I think <laughs> of skating when I watch a skate video. Yeah. And then just, it's the springtime and I have to royale something. And it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to get back into it. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard not to get like discouraged and just say, "Oh man, forget this." But you know, because you you have this like child energy inside of you that's just so pumped and knows what it wants to do, and then you know you got to wait for your body to like adjust, and there's this kind of patience period of you know being easy on yourself and that's kind of actually what i was going through a bit today and the last like couple times i skated because my knee's been hurting so i was wasn't skating for like a month like a month and a half trying to really just like let it chill because my knee is never hurt you know like for any much longer than maybe a couple weeks or something and it was like hurting so i was kind of like tripping and i was like okay i'm just gonna chill and was just doing some light stuff like you know walking and kind of hiking and um like yoga and not it only hurts when i like really bend my knee you know if i'm just like walking or like you know it's standing it it doesn't hurt but it's you know bending it a particular way so when i went skating today you know i'm like i got ideas and stuff i want to do and you know i'm inspired to do and got to remember that like you know it's been like a month and my body's not going to do exactly what I wanted to do. And it's really difficult because I'm really hard on myself. So it's hard not to get like discouraged and just go through the motions and make your body remember. And, you know, and remember that once you do that, you will, you know, be all right. You just got to put your body through the motions. That I haven't had a super serious injury. The longest I was out was I think three months with an ankle, but I'll never forget when I thought I was okay to skate and it was a sunny day uh-huh. at the Kamloops skate park, which you've probably seen pictures or videos of. It's amazing. Uh-huh. It's, it's like the best playground you've ever seen. Oh, man. And I just remember feeling okay. And then it was just this one way that I bent my ankle uh-huh. and the whole day was ruined. And then I had to, I think I was out again for a few more weeks uh-huh. and it's the mental pain. It's not the physical pain. Yeah, yeah, because you just want to play, you know? <laughs> it's like you're a little kid and you, like, you know, hurt yourself and you're like, I just want to go outside and play. I just, you know, just want to, you know, it's, it's really that simple, I think. And so was it too soon to go skating today for you? Uh, no, it, it doesn't hurt as much as it used to. And I'm trying to, like, trying to chill on it and not do too much. But that's also really hard, too. Because, you know, you put them on and you just want to, you know, go for it. Um, So I was just trying to, I mean, at skate parks, it's a lot better, too, because, you know, you got transitions and there's not a whole lot of impact. Yeah. Um, 
but I've been like, like I'll skate today and then, you know, maybe I won't skate for another couple of days and then I'll skate again. That's kind of what I've been doing the last week to try and like feel it out and, uh, not push it too much. And was it from a specific, um, t- like something in skating or how, no, it started actually, hurting? no, that's, that's why it was actually, you know, a bummer because it just started hurting. I mean, I'm sure there was something, but there wasn't anything like I hit it and then I was like, Oh crap, it hurts. No, it was just like, huh, I'm noticing that when I bend forward on my knee, it hurts. Which is it your, wait, do you have, do you have unnatural? Does Robert yeah. have an unnatural? <laughs> Yeah, on my good days, on my really, really, really good days, I feel like I don't. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's on my. Well, you know what? That's really weird because a lot, a lot of my strong tricks are on my right. But I would say that my left foot is my natural. Like uh, that thing that they say when you you try and get fitted for a snowboard and they push you over the leg uh-huh. that you land on—that's your left. Uh, if someone you know pushes it, you, you, you know it's my right. Is it? Yeah. So then, but like, let's just say, wait, wait a minute. So you flat? Do you you soul with your right? Well, I so I soul with both. I guess my right is really my natural. For royal, I started off. Yeah, no, for uh, like fish brain and sweat stance and okay. mizu and. But when I very first started, Soul, Royale, even Nugans were all left foot. And then over time, it went to my right. Really? But if I'm in a far side Soul, like a big-ass kink thrill, I'm going to do it with my left. And that was what you started on? Yeah, that's what I started on. Interesting. We tried to teach uh, Dana's little brother to learn everything switch first. Uh-huh. and then go to natural oh. and he became really good and had a bunch of weird skills just based off of that huh. i wish i could give myself that advice because <laughs> i have no switch yeah and if i do it's it's awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you're you're all about like movement you're just like movement it's true kind of like focus so when it comes to getting technical and how you want to think about what's difficult and not difficult and what makes something you know better you know because it's switch or whatever that doesn't really concern you it seems to me no no it's only if i'm moving into something and i feel like it has to be into a grind that just happens to be switch i'll try and do it yeah about it that's kind of how i am too but i remember i remember there was a time when switch was a big deal you know it was huge, and it got and you got a lot of, uh, you know, I guess you could, got a lot of respect for if you could do something switch. It's so true. I the some of the older guys that we used to skate with when we first got into skating would look at our skate on mm-hmm. the on the other side and they would go, "Where's the switch?" Because they could see that we had no grooves or anything. <laughs> the skate would just look fucking brand new on yeah. the other side. <laughs> yeah. And I still, to this day, I mean, I might be able to get through a game of Blade uh-huh. with some sketchy-ass switch here and there, yeah. but I'm not going to feel good about it. You know, you know, when I was in Canada this last summer, I don't know why, but I got the urge to learn switch sweat stance, and I made myself learn it, and it felt so good. Are we? And I, huh? 
Are we talking about like on ledges or on rails? Because I have that I have that trick on on rails, not not dangerous ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like at the you know at the ledge and the P rail and the quarter pipe at like the skate park that was yeah. there. Um, but I finally got it down, and I was so happy because it reminded me of a time when I was playing uh, skate with John Starr, and he busted that. And I like busted my ass like really bad trying to do it. Like I had no idea what was going on. I didn't, my legs just like totally didn't know what they were doing and I ate it. So when I finally like, you know, I got it down and I got comfortable on it. I was like, yes, because that also sweat stance was a, you know, when it was first getting popular was a really like respected trick, you know, and some people did it just like, wow, you know, like just flawless i i love that trick yeah and did you find what was your uh your trick that helped break it down because for me it was pud slide switch sweat stances on rails it's it more feels like a pud slide like more weight on my back foot so i don't know how for for me i was you know when i was at the the gym at matthew ledoux's ledoux's gym uh I was really trying to focus on being in a certain uh, position when I when I'm skating, kind of like almost. I, I think it's like a horse stance. It's like a martial arts horse stance, and you're you're always coming from this one stance. And it was kind of like a bent. It's kind of like Chris Farmer. When you look at Chris Farmer and he's skating and he's about to do something, he's like ready. You know, he's kind of squatted, but not like super squatted. He's like in this uh, like attack kind of mode. It seems like to me. I love and, that shit. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I was realizing that I, I wasn't really like this. And I was kind of more of a stand-up guy. And so I was really trying to focus on keeping my body like that. And I also found that it, when you're in this stance, your muscles are activated like they're ready. You know, you're, you're not completely relaxed. And then you go from relaxed to like, activate and then jump and do the stuff like you're already activated in your glutes and your thighs and they're ready to go and i mine weren't like that and i kind of noticed that so i was like well how could this how could being in this stance like change my skating and it's really tough because and i got really frustrated quite a bit and i still do now i mean i try to focus on it now but because you skate for 20 years the same way you know it's like hard to change that kind of fundamental thing but i was you know really focusing on it. i was doing really well and i found that if i kind of had this stance when i was doing grinds and kind of stayed low and tight kind of like how vinnie minton skates he's very compact and like his style is like it's amazing and and he has so much control and i and i thought there was something to this and I was so I was practicing in it, and I found that there is something to that. There's like a stance that you can be in that's more favorable than than other stances. And so I was practicing this with different grinds, and that's really what helped me do the sweat stance was, or you know, the switch sweat stance was that I was compact and I was kind of squatted, and and then I just kind of like put my feet there and stayed in this kind of like zone. On it, it's kind of hard to explain, but I found that when I was in the zone, I was more precise and I was more balanced, and um, I just felt more confident 
on grinds. And so I actually started using this for all my grinds. And then I was like, wow, this is like a whole different world. I feel so much more at ease and more confident about locking something. Because you know when you don't feel good and then you go and try to lock something, you have that feeling where you're like kind of scared because maybe you don't know your body's going to do what you just told it to do or you're not as confident or you know you kind of throw your legs at something and hoping that it'll lock and it doesn't and you you know eat it on your shin or something but i find when you're in this particular stance it's like you're ready to go and you're strong and you're confident and it's it's really awesome but it's also really hard to um keep keep at and and reminding your body to stay in that we we have so much to talk about <laughs> That's already like that makes me think of so many different side roads that we could go down. But I do know that when I do sweat stances, I've never actually thought about it, but I totally go into that position. Yeah. And sweat stance is one of my more when I do do it, I feel uh-huh. like I'm drawing on lots of strength whereas if I try and do like a soyel or something, I'm totally uh-huh. I am just throwing my body. I miss soyels yeah. all the time. Yeah. Cuz I'm totally stand up. And how tall are you? Five nine. Five nine. So you're you're tech you're a taller skater in terms of the average height of yeah. pro, pro roller yeah, bladers. I, I guess so. I, I've always kinda of thought to be normal, but I mean there are quite a few shorter uh really good rollerbladers. Like if we talk about Vinnie Minton Oh yeah. Frankie Morales. Frankie Morales. C J Wellsmore. Yeah, yeah. Um is uh, so so Ichiro so yeah. Oh man, he's the king of that, dude. He, he that's he blows, he blows my mind. He's he's one of my favorite skaters like hands down and it's you know, at a different time era, I think he'd probably be considered like one of the best. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I I totally get that. He yeah. he has the Vinnie Mitten thing, hey? Yeah, they they and and you know those people they just have it naturally you know i swear it's a it's a certain build too yeah i i really agree too like ian mcleod is the same thing and i mean you can go and go down a list of all the people and it, they're all people that i'm you know sometimes jealous of in that way because that's something that i have to actually think about and it's a really um it's a really good thing to be able to do in terms of longevity on your body because there's so much impact in what we do and if your legs aren't absorbing the energy um, properly then that shock goes to your knee joint and then to your hip joint and then to your back and you can see it like because the energy's got to go somewhere you know and if you don't absorb it in your muscles then it's just like shocking your ankles and your knees and your back and you know that I've I've always, you know, I consider myself more of a stand-up guy, even though I can bend in certain, you know, on certain tricks I can bend, but it's definitely not something that happens all the time, especially when you're doing something big or something fast, and you're really just thinking about landing something, and you're not thinking about, you know, how you're absorbing or how you're landing, because, you know, that's not something that's taught. And people that can do it, it's just something that they just do, you know. That's really interesting because I consider myself a stand-up skater. And when I do take that pose, I, um, I feel exactly that. I feel very posy 
and uh-huh. I feel like I'm imitating something that's not me. So did you have trouble, <laughs> like? You know, a little bit. You know, there was sometimes I was because uh, I was doing it like every day when I was going skating there, and I was like, hmm, what if I f- am able to fully just hold on to this and it transforms my skating? Like, what do what do people think? <laughs> you know, that thought came up. It, it wasn't a long-lasting thought, but it definitely came up and was like, what do people, people think you're, you know, trying to skate? Like, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't last very long because it's a pretty ridiculous thing to think, you know. But, um, yeah, it, it had crossed my mind like, so, a, a little bit. Is there a recent – what's your most recent edit that ha- – like, have you made something since that revelation? Uh. Well, I got back and I did the rollerblade um, edit, but I don't, I don't think it's as um, noticeable. Like maybe if you watched it, you might notice something, but I, I don't think so. It's like I said, it's really difficult to condition your body to keep doing that. It's like something you got to think about every single time, and so then you get to this point that's kind of hard because. You know, you're used to just going skating and having fun and not thinking about kind of like with a training mentality. You're used to just like, I'm going to do these tricks that make me feel good because that's why I do this. I do this to make me feel good, you know. Um, So that's always been like a struggle, you know, like and it's definitely something that wouldn't even change over probably like doing it a month every day in a row because there's so many... There's so many aspects of skating that you've conditioned yourself to do things physically a particular way. Like there's, okay, there's doing a grind forward and landing forward, but then there's doing a grind and landing backwards. Then there's doing a grind, jumping off a certain way and spinning and landing. And if you're used to, you know, doing it the same way, those are all like very um, complex mechanics, you know? So it's it's a you know it's a lot of and then there's the frustration that you're not doing it the way you want to do it and you're doing it the old way and and I often you know I come across those frustrations a lot in my life because I'm I just have a hard time being patient with myself and not doing things you know how I want them to be done it, and then and then you're getting older you know and I'm 32 which is not old but you know when you skate for so long doing something that's so physically demanding on your body with absolutely no training and no, you know, proper recovery or proper, you know, exercise to be doing what we're doing. It's like your body, you're just putting yourself through so much and you don't realize it until you're like 32 and then your body's not uh, responding, you know, as quickly as it used to. And that's frustrating as hell too. And I know that's what a lot of older skaters, especially from my generation, I've seen go through uh, because in their minds, they just want to do, you know, they remember what it felt like. They remember what the tricks they did, but their bodies are in a different place, you know. And for what we do, especially, especially like the, you know, younger people now, people like Montre and Alex and you know, those kind of very technical, like crazy skaters, you know, you would look at them, uh, probably someone outside of the sport that 
is into sports or maybe someone that does martial arts and trains all the time and be like, man, you probably do some intense training and this and that, huh? And it's like, no, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, because what we're doing is like, sometimes it's even more crazier than what people are doing that they're training every day for. That's, that's a really good point. And I think that's why, um, people like Broskow and, and, farmer and people who have pushed pushed it so hard for so long their skating has to evolve in a different direction because it's not sustainable yeah. to uh and and the torch is ready to be passed anyway i mean how many i brought it up but how many good sections have those guys put out oh my god so. yeah i can't even i really can't even count especially during that particular period of time as well yeah and, and uh, oh and i was gonna say you know it's they could you could continue to be doing things a certain way if if that was your drive and you were smart about it but if and if that was your um inclination and you were inspired to do that but you know what people change and what was exciting about certain things is does isn't always exciting anymore and sometimes it was exciting because there was some uh, form of like feedback of approval you were getting as well and recognition. Yeah. And, and a lot of, you know, when you're growing up and you're young and you're good at something like, you know, you're really feeding off that, you know, like you're, you're getting recognition from your peers. You're getting recognition from maybe professionals that are already in it. You're getting, you know, you're getting this kind of like energy from that. And it's, and it makes you feel better and all this stuff. But if, you know, that's the only reason, eventually you'll kind of run dry from that. And you have to find ways to fulfill yourself, like to create that yourself, you know. Or you don't, and it, there's a balance of that. I mean, it's not black and white by any means, but that's just kind of one way it goes sometimes. Hey, this, this sounds like you're speaking from experience yourself. <laughs> it totally is it's something i'm still going through that's why that's why i'm able to speak on it <laughs> this is where again i'm so frustrated there's so many different places i can Don't take this frustrated. from here we're good i know i know we're both but, st- we're still alive and you do you're still doing pack podcasts so that that is know, good we don't have to don't feel the frustration of trying to squeeze everything into one I, thing i mean we could do a two-hour special on Rob G and the IMYTA. This oh, is, that, you, know, you know, like that's a big dude. That is a huge one. You you don't even know what you're asking when you're telling me that because there's some like big stories around that period of my life and like the changes I was going through and and all of that. Like, I mean, let's do that for sure. That's uh, you know, let's let's get to your uh, goal. What was your goal? Like two hundred or something. By the 2015? Yeah, yeah, before the end of the new yeah, year, yeah. 200. Yeah, and I really think you guys got a you guys got a nice ball rolling with your with your podcasts and getting in different people, and I think it's great. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope you can be on a bunch of times because yeah, well, I'm here, so you know, it's just up to you guys Excellent. And, and how you want to, you know, organize it and and you know how you want it to 
go into other ones because that's an interesting thing too if you have more freedom with other people you can direct it a different way oh yeah you can, direct, you can direct it a certain way and if you if you start to observe the old podcast maybe you'll see like a pattern forming like particular patterns that are um just naturally occurring and then you can fine-tune and follow those and find a flow within the podcasts i haven't thought of that yeah that's why i wish we had like a mushroom blading intern that was doing uh, <laughs> metadata for all the podcasts. Because we talk about so much stuff. And if every yeah. podcast had a link to every single thing that yeah. was referenced, it would be such a good resource, yeah. it, just historically, for yeah. rollerblading. Yeah. Because, I mean, I still get surprised the things that come up and the new things that I think about. That's probably one of my favorite things about doing these. Because already, like, I can't remember the last time I thought about IMYTA, but I think of you when I think of IMYTA. So I think oh, nice. <laughs> we would save that for a full episode. Yeah, totally, um, totally. There's a lot to discuss about that too. That's a lot of really interesting, you know, personal experiences that yeah. surround that surround that for me in that time period. Yeah, well, yeah, we won't go there. We won't go. There. <laughs> <laughs> but this will be a segue into the. I want to talk about the. The retreat is that what it is? Oh called? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're someone who, even before I got into kind of different ways of thinking and being a little bit healthier, uh-huh. um, you're someone who's always experimented with um, diet and different exercise things and stretching. And um, when did that start for you? You know, that started when I. Um, <laughs> talking about IMYTA it's this kind of goes around to that time um I was living in San Diego and I didn't have a car my mom needed to move there she was having a hard time finding work where we were and so she was like do you want to come with me to San Diego and this was right after I won IMYTA and I was like yeah I'll go with you and I went out there, and I didn't have a car, and I wasn't living around anyone. I was living in La Mesa, and I was actually um, – there's this kink trail that's in a ton of videos, and you would know it if you saw it. It goes down a grass hill, and it curves, and it's really long. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, a bunch of people do really crazy stuff on it. Shima, like Zero, Farsight Leap, Souls it. I tremised it. It was the first and only Tremiso I've ever done on a rail, I think. And it was <laughs> on a kink? Of yeah, course yeah. it was. Just weird like that sometimes. <laughs> but I actually used to skate that rail by myself all the time with my mini disc player and my headphones because I didn't live around anyone. But it was kind of a bummer time uh, just because I was so far from everything and I didn't have my crew to skate with and all that. So time went on um, and I ended up wanting to go back to San Jose. So I had contacted my aunt and she said um i could come stay so i went there and my mood like immediately kind of got enhanced again and i was around my friends i had a car you know um and then i for some reason i felt like i wanted to try being vegetarian and i was actually at the time i was hanging out with ezekwe and uh v uh do you know v yeah i wonder Uh, where actually i was going to ask where is he but we don't want to go off but he yeah, yeah. be from he's life a, plus and yeah exactly yeah and so me and him were really good friends during that period of time 
And we would visit Ezekwe quite often. And Ezekwe was vegetarian. And then it, one day he just showed me some stretches. And I just, for whatever reason, I never got into stretching. And I just got excited. So I was like eating vegetarian and I was uh, stretching and running every single morning. And, um, and I just got really into it there. And then from then on, I've kind of fluctuated like, you know, all over the place. You know, sometimes I'd eat meat and sometimes I wouldn't. I tried to do like raw food stuff. I, I've just experimented with so many different things because when I get into something, I really get into it, you know. Um, so that's kind of just like what it is. That's how I am. And if something's new and I see that it, you know, can do something for me, I, I like try it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I, you know, stick with it 100% like, you know, all the time. But um, I do try things and try many things. And, and then when you're into something, you research it and you, you know, find other people that are doing it and what it's doing and all that. Um, which has led me to like where I'm at right now, which is kind of funny. And it's just, I'm just, uh, feeling out what is good for me and just like my body individually. And I wouldn't even say that I'm like a hundred percent, you know, like, gun ho focused on that because sometimes i'm kind of like depending on where i'm at and what food is around me i'm not strict anymore I, that's what shifted is i would get really strict um about what i was doing and it didn't wasn't really healthy for me at all and i come to find that there is no one right diet it's every single individual is specific and and you know there's something they need to find out what it is for themselves that makes them work because there's no one thing that works for everybody. You know, I've met people that are raw foodists and all they eat is raw food and they thrive and, you know, it works for them. It didn't work for me. I, you know, I got really skinny and unhealthy and I didn't realize it until I stopped. But I was like, okay, you know, I did that and, you know, I tried it, but it's not for me. And I actually find that anything extreme that I, you know, try to do um, is not always the, you know, the best for me. So it's like a, it's a day-to-day -day learning experience, you know, for me and finding out, you know, what exactly works and what doesn't work. And then trying my best to uh, stay with the things that do work. So I'll just name a few things and I'll, uh, you can tell me if any of these has stuck. So. Uh, yerba mate do you still drink oh, it oh yeah dude that is that's an on and off going uh, thing sometimes I drink it heavily sometimes I like it makes me too uh, airy I guess you could say or it's like too mental because I'm a very like mental person so it it gets me wrapped up too much in my thoughts sometimes um, which sometimes is fun and and sometimes you know i can get into really wild conversations with you know people and, and really get really creative and it brings out these things as well um but i try to chill on that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's a you know my life is very up and down <laughs> <laughs> okay that was the first one that's an yeah. awesome answer. Yeah. Uh, foam, foam rolling. Yeah. Do you still? I, I, yeah, I still do that. 
I should be doing it more, but I do do that. I have two. I have like a, a it's called Power Systems, and it's probably like forty bucks, and it's a travel one, so it's kind of small. And then I have one called the Rumble Roller, which is this like studded one, and it's gnarly, and it like it's like deep tissue massage. But these are things that are I think every single rollerblader should have and utilize. Because it saves your legs. I mean, I remember there was one time I was skating with Lonnie and we were filming for something and we had skated all day and got out of the car and my legs just like didn't want to do anything. And in fact, there was a rail that wasn't even high and I just tried to jump on it and my legs were just like, oh, it's <laughs> like I was just like, it was like I was 12 and I was learning how to jump on a rail again. And I was just like, man, but I still want to skate. But I had the foam roller in the trunk, so I busted it out. I did it for like 10 minutes, and my legs just felt like brand new. Really? Yeah, because it gets the blood circulating. It loosens up your knots and um, really just like rejuvenates your legs. Also, on a side note for people that are listening to this, um, one practice that I stumbled upon when I was in New York, I went and got a massage, and I was in a chair. And I was in Chinatown and this Asian man was like doing this kind of like beating thing on my back with his knuckles, like kind of punching me, but like not punching me, like in between like punching and like, I don't know. And I was just like, wow, that feels so great. And one day I was on a run when I was living in Santa Cruz and my legs started hurting and I was kind of getting bummed because I was, you know, enjoying my run. And then I just started wailing on my thighs, like... As, as comfortable to you know to me as as possible like I wasn't trying to hurt myself there's a there's a medium between like hurt and like too soft so I just started punching my thighs and I was punching them just like I don't know if you could hear this it's like can you yeah. hear that yeah so it was just like that and I was like doing my thighs and then I did my calves and then I was just like experimenting and I started punching my like forearms and my my biceps and even did a little bit on my head like softly and I just did it all over and when I got up I was just like wow like I just there something about it you know I don't I couldn't break it down for you because I don't really understand the science of what you know what it's doing I'm sure it's getting blood flowing and like doing stuff like that but I just felt fully rejuvenated and when I can remember to do this when I'm out skating too it, it's a very helpful easy simple tool to do to to, to have wow yeah. so it's almost like having a like a studded foam not a foam roller but the reason the studs would be on the foam roller would this be the same reason you would punch yourself punch your muscles. Yeah. little yeah. bit yeah yeah a little bit and you know you can see i think you know there's martial artists that do this or they have trainers and they do that um so i do that and then just to mention one more thing is uh the stick have you ever heard of the stick what is the stick the stick is this like it's got it's a stick essentially it's like this plastic stick and it has uh, two grips one on each end and then there's these um, plastic rings around the the, the stick and it kind of bends and you press that on your muscles oh I have seen those and, it, and that is another like must have tool for 
every rollerblader. That's another thing. That's another good thing to do before and after. That just makes your legs feel like brand new. Oh, amazing! This this is all good stuff. Yeah, I, I have a so a third one. So it was okay. yerba mate foam <laughs> oh. roller. And did you were you using those uh, those vibram? Uh, the... Yeah, yeah, I still have those, and yeah, I do still use those. Although I need to get some new ones. Those things get funky. <laughs> oh, oh, I can imagine. They get so funky, but they're really awesome. I I I still use those. And then sometimes I'll just do just straight up barefoot, like running as well, depending on um, where you are, like what the dirt's like. Yeah. And even on concrete, it's nice. And people, you know, they, they trip out when they see you. They're <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like you're running on the concrete. Doesn't that hurt? But it's, it has to do with your form and, and where you know, you're landing when you're la- when your foot's hitting the ground and you're not landing on your heel, you're landing like on the kind of like the middle of your foot and then your heel kind of lands. So, um, it was, I, I've been doing that for a while. So I kind of like conditioned myself to, you know, land a particular way. So before you get into Vibrams or barefoot stuff, you really need to, uh, you know, take it easy because you'll, you'll jack yourself up and people are getting injured all the time. My brother-in-law, um, he's a pretty big dude and he wears Vibrams and he runs like six miles, 10 miles. He's so used to it, but you know, you really got to ease into it if you're looking into doing that. Um, so you don't use, do you, do you jog in regular shoes very often? Um, I have, I actually have some really nice uh, minimalist V, uh, not V rooms, some minimalist New Balance shoes that Jess Darenforth gave me. <laughs> Do you ever see any pictures of Jess Darenforth on Facebook or Instagram or anything? He like? always seems like he's in really good shape for his age. He, dude, he is, man. He is like running so much, and he helps. Um, he's, uh, I don't know how you put this. There's people that do ultra marathons. Have you ever heard of an ultra marathon? Marathons a lot, so I don't even know what an ultra. Okay, an ultra is like 150 to 100 plus miles. What? How? Straight. What? Really? Yeah. It. It's that's a whole nother world that would blow your mind, like blow your mind. And he became, he got um, on this crew for a guy because each guy that's running has their has their own crew. And it's like you got someone that, you know, is I, I think maybe making sure your uh, your muscles are all right, and then making sure that you're not going into any kind of like particular health. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, maybe you look like you're gonna die. <laughs> maybe you're showing signs of like, you know, you know really bad dehydration or something like that. So you have a crew that's like checking in on you because Jess Darenforth told me that like these dudes get in these zones and it's like, cause they're running for like, I don't know how many hours like straight. And they said they get in these zones where they can't like hear anything or like, like they just are in this full zone. So he became a part of this crew and then he really got into it. So he's starting to really get into it. And, um, you know, the average age, I think he told me, for these ultra marathon runners, there are people in their, like, late 40s and 50s. What? 
Yeah, like there's something about when you get to that age, um, doing long distance endurance stuff, it's like you can just do it. So a lot of the people that are doing it are a lot older. So I, he is running all the time and he's training for that like all the time. So he's in like really good um, health. And, and there was a period where I used to actually go run with him quite a bit. And a chill run for him is like nine or ten miles. Like that's just the like you know he's chilling. Um, so he gave me some shoes. So any any time too, I really like to elaborate and go off on things on my own. That's my thing, thing too. I so, love it. So I'm just doing that. Well, and <laughs> the, the shoes have special powers if Jess Deerenforth gave them to you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're awesome. I've had them for over a year a year now i've done like two tough mutters in them i do most a lot of the trail runs that i do are in them um so yeah and do you run daily or what no i i mean with my knee hurting oh I that's right really, i haven't been running at all really even though it doesn't hurt to run i still have kind of like you know been chilling on it i've been doing a little more hiking and that doesn't hurt it's just a way, when I bend my knee to a certain to a certain angle is when it hurts, you know, like when you bend when you land a trick and you bend your knees, and um, maybe like some some grinds it kind of hurts. So I haven't really been I haven't been doing any running. Isn't the the high after exercise one of the best highs? You can yeah, get? running running ex- especially too. Um, because if you can if you can do anything that's rhythmic, you know, and you're doing it over and over again, and then you're just like focusing on your breath and you're focusing on your body and your movements, then and you get out of your head and your normal kind of thinking patterns that you that are always circulating and stealing your energy every day, <laughs> and you come to the present moment and you're in your body and you get part of that is a part of that high. It's just like. You know, you're like, holy shit, I'm alive right now. I'm here. You know, I'm not thinking about the past or the future, which may, you know, lead into the whole meditation Vipassana thing. (laughs) (laughs) Nice segue, Robert Guerrero. Yeah, well, I just noticed that it was doing that naturally. So I I like to ride the the waves. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it then. All right, let's do it. So then, related to exercise, so yeah, being in the present moment, yeah, just getting out of your head, yeah. doing something rhythmic. So yeah. your retreat that you went on, yeah. how many days was it? It was 10 days. 10 days, and it yeah. was a silent retreat. Yeah, it was a silent retreat. You were able to talk only to, um, they had like four teachers there, and you were only able to talk to ask them questions about the technique or maybe you were going through something and you, you know, wanted some kind of counsel about what you were going through. I mean, they wouldn't counsel you on like what you were going through, but they would counsel you on using the technique um, and letting go of whatever you were going through. Wow. I didn't know it was 10 days. I thought it was shorter than that. No, it was it was ten days. It That's, was very intense. Ten days. <laughs> did it feel more like a year? Or uh, you know what? It went really fast, surprisingly. Um, and no technology anywhere. No. None. 
Um, and did you have to apply for, for this or? How yeah, many? yeah. You, um, they have them all over. They probably have one where you are. They, they got them all over the world. And you, yeah, you, you send in an application um, and then you wait for a response. And then you are maybe put on a waiting list because people sign up for these things like months in advance. And what was the inspiration originally? Um, I had a friend who did it. I had, I had a few friends who did it uh, years ago, like maybe six years ago. And I just noticed how they looked after. They just noticeably looked different, uh, kind of more calm and more like relaxed. Um, so, it, I, you know, I saw that it did something and I was just like, wow, you know, so... There was one time I signed up for it and I got accepted and I had to I went on a skating trip or something so I didn't go. And then there was another time and I was on a waiting list and then they never called me. And then um, this time actually I was um, at my sister's house and I was in the backyard using my phone for something and I just got the thought to do it. Um, and normally like I go into my head and I start, you know, thinking about maybe that you know, why it's not possible or maybe it's too late. You know, you start thinking of all these, you know, things. But that only happened for maybe like, you know, five seconds, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna go sign up. So I went on my phone and I signed up, and um, they were like, okay, uh, you're your application's accepted. And so I automatically, I thought that meant that I was like going. So I was all pumped. I think I, I posted something on Instagram and like Facebook that I was, you know, excited to do this. Um, so I was, thought, I was excited I was going, but then they sent me a message saying, but you're on a waiting list and, um, you know, you may not be able to go. So I was like, hmm, okay. And they were like, well, there's another one happening earlier and you can, um, it's bigger, so you have a better chance. Do you want us to forward your, you know, registration? And at first, I was like, no, because it was over Christmas and New Year's, and you know, for some reason, I was feeling like I couldn't miss those things. So at first, I was like, no, but then a couple of days went by, and then I realized that I really wanted to do it. So I was just like, okay, forward my registration. And they were like, okay, you're on a waiting list for this one. And I was like, oh, all right. They were like, um, if we contact you the day before will you be able to go? And I said, yes. So they called me like halfway through the day, the day before it started. And I said, yes. And so like I quickly found stuff I needed, um, had like a family little pre-Christmassy uh, breakfast and stuff with my family. And then I just drove and it was like two hours away from where, I, where I'm at. And how do you even begin to describe the experience of being quiet for 10 days um you know the the being quiet part wasn't wasn't hard for me it was just there are certain moments that are just very intense because part of the technique is that you don't react to your thoughts and when you don't react to your thoughts there's patterns that arise um you know, and there's patterns going on all day, every day in your mind. Like you're thinking about stuff all the time. There's stuff you're not even aware of that you're thinking about that you're thinking about. 
and um, on different levels of consciousness, you know, there's deeper and there's more subtle ones. Um, and so, but when you don't react, these patterns kind of come up and I guess you could say like through not reacting, they disintegrate. They start to kind of lose life because you're not feeding them by reacting to them. Cause it's like, you know, you maybe one day, you know, you're like not having a good day and you're kind of freaking out about something. So you turn on the TV and you watch a movie or, you know, you're angry about this. So you go golfing or, you know what I mean? Like there's these things that you do when you feel certain ways because you don't want to feel those things anymore. Um, so, but those things, those patterns that arose that made you, you know, do whatever it is you did are still there and they're going to come up again and then you're going to do the same thing over and over again. But with this practice, it's about, you know, not reacting and remaining calm through the ups and downs of life. And it's not just negative things, it's positive things too. Um, and it's, you know, because your thoughts exist like in your past and in, and in your future. So your mind is always like jumping back and forth between the past and the future, uh, you know, seeking pleasure or avoiding pain, you know, or avoiding situations that you, that you feel will bring you pain. And so these, this past and future is always, your mind is always there and you're never present, which is the only like real reality kind of, you know, it's like we're here and the past and the future exist in our minds, but we're always just here. And, um, we miss out, you know, on a lot being present and in the moment and in our bodies having this human experience, you know, um, doing our day-to-day stuff and enjoying life, I guess you could say. So it's just getting rid of all these patterns, essentially. I'm trying to break this down in a, you know, simple way and not in a way where I feel, you know, I'm sounding like I know everything about it, but <laughs> no, it's uh, good. Yeah. So it's just like observing your thoughts and what they do to you and how you react to them and how they control you and, um, keep you from being present in your body. And so, you know, like you're not supposed to react. So you got to itch on your face or something, you know, you're not supposed to itch it. And guess what? It builds up and becomes an anger, you know, you become really furious and angry and then you're not supposed to react to that and you're just supposed to sit there and keep breathing and be aware of your body. And there's a whole technique that is involved with you um, scanning your body with your awareness and just like feeling your body and kind of getting grounded in your body. And, you know, I, it's pretty in-depth, so I, you know, I won't really go into that. But this, the, the basis, the basic, you know thing is that you're just bringing you're constantly bringing your awareness to the present which is very real you know your your breath which is always here and it's always now your body which is always here and now and changing and um all of that and not so much in your mind where you're you know thinking about the past and why you should have did that this way and and how someone hurt you and how you hurt them and how that made you feel and and then 
then you go into the future and how you want this and want that and how this is going to make you better and and that's going to be better and oh no I I shouldn't do that you know how am I going to avoid this in the future how am I going to avoid that it you know it's this endless like cycle and it really drains your energy and you know you the, the past is gone and the future you're not there yet so all you can really do is you know act in the present from the present to the you know best of your ability and if you're always reacting and living in the past and the future you're never here and so you're just continuously creating um you know something that is the past or you know based out of fear or um wanting pleasure or avoiding pain um and and stuff like that so it's just you kind of like letting go of all these patterns and and the way he broke it down in the very beginning was he's like what you're about to do <clears throat> is a you're about to perform brain surgery on yourself and what you're going to do is it's like you're going in your brain and you're just going to go deeper and deeper and and you basically this pus starts coming out you know it's all the patterns all the negative and positive patterns from the past um and future and how you feel about that and think about that and it's going to start coming out and you just go deeper and deeper and you're basically going deeper and deeper into your subconscious so you can get to the root of these patterns and just really let them go so you can be free to you know create from the present moment you know anew you know like and not from the past or from uh seeking pleasure or pain or avoiding pain in the future um so you start to go through all your thoughts, you know, I mean, you don't go through them, they just come up and you're not reacting to them because you're sitting in a room that's quiet with, I think there was like 300 something people and the men are on the left and the women are on the right and everyone's just quiet and you're sitting in this room, you know, sometimes for an hour, sometimes for an hour and a half. And you're just practicing this technique of focusing on your breath and, and being aware of your body and the sensations you feel on your body. And then thoughts just come up and you just let them go. And, um, and you just let them go and you just let them go and you're just doing that the whole time. <laughs> wow. And is this uh, – so is there a series of those meditations or do you also just have a lot of time alone like in a, in a yeah, room? Yeah, you uh, – you, you're, I mean, 11, I think I calculated this correct, 11 and a half hours of the day you're meditating. With other people? Uh, no, you, uh, you can if you want to because there's a hall. Yeah. You can, you can also go back to your room and, you know, sit there by yourself. But there's mandatory ones where you have to go to the main hall and be with everyone else. So there's a clock somewhere? Yeah. And and we every well actually you know there is technology and that's what you you're only allowed like a clock so you can you know stay on track on and on schedule of like where you need to be and and you know when a, a clock like in your phone no no not on the phone you you give up your phones when you first go good good thing there's yeah. a clock on the wall then uh yeah and there's you can have your own little alarm clock. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, is it in like a beautiful nature location? Because that's yeah. how I saw it in my head. Yeah, it is. You totally saw it correctly. That's um, exactly what it was. 
and does that that probably helps you stay in oh, the present? Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's so it's so amazing because you appreciate these times when you're not meditating, and the especially in the beginning. In the beginning, it's like you're like, okay, I gotta go meditate, and then once you're done, you're like, okay, now I'm out. Now I got a break. You know, eventually, like halfway through and a little bit further, like all you're really you're really making use of the time. Um, to meditate every chance you get because it's a very special environment that you'll never have anywhere else, basically. But, um, you know, you walk down a trail to the main hall and it's like a dirt trail and it's beautiful and you wake up at four in the morning and the moon's still out and that's awesome. And you're way out there and you see all the stars and, uh, and then, you know, you come out of meditation and it's still dark and then you take a nap and then you come out and the sun's starting to come out and then the sun is just like, you know, it was really awesome and funny because you're not talking to anyone and, and you're only with other men, like the the men and the women are separate. So it's kind of like almost like a, a silent men's retreat in some respect. And you're hanging out with a bunch of dudes and it's like there are certain moments where the sun is out and everyone is just like in the sun, just standing there, just like appreciating the sun <laughs> or the moon or the stars like and and you you it's like these things are like your treasures you know or these things are like your the things you can enjoy when you're not you know going through all of you know your your memories and your thoughts and your emotions and your you know all of that so it was really interesting to participate um in that wow um it's amazing how um Words aren't that important in situations like that. Everybody knows that the that the moon is amazing in that moment, that the sun is amazing. And it's almost better if nobody says anything and everyone's just marveling at it. Yeah, it was it was something that, you know, you don't ever really see. It's just like people enjoying simple things. But when you're there and the majority of time is spent meditating and that's it it's kind of like you're in jail almost in one sense because you know, you eat your food and then you, when you're meditating, it's like going to your cell or something. Cause that's all you're doing, you know? And you <laughs> can't write. Of, you can't, no, no, no writing. Wow. No, no visualizing, no practicing anything else. Wow. And you are just using this tech, this very simple, uh, technique that, that the Buddha used. So what was the, yeah, what were the, no, maybe as much as you can say, what were some of the darkest things that popped up? Um, um, you know, there was moments where it was like, and I, and I, I want to say that it comes from scary movies when I was a little kid, but there's just like random scenes of like, you know, like you would see in a scary movie. Oh, I get that shit all the like, time. There was like a, like all of a sudden there was like this white bathroom and then there was like blood splattered on it. And I was just like, what the, you know, like, why am I, oh, you know? And then there's like another scene where there's a, you know, a knife coming at me and someone trying to stab me or something. And I'm like, what? 
you know, <laughs> and, and everyone is going through this, like, and you find out at the end, cause on the last day you can talk to everyone. But, um, yeah, it was like that kind of stuff. And then there was one particular moment where I had a very, uh, like samurai moment and, <laughs> and, uh, like my knees started hurting. Because not to mention my knee was hurting, but you're sitting there. So my knees were hurting. Yeah. And in this moment, I decided that, you know what? I'm not going to react. I'm just going to be with it. And so my knees started hurting, and it was towards the end. My knees started hurting, and then I started getting, like, particular itches, like, on my face or on my back. And then that created this, like anger like this crazy like this wild anger you know and i was just like whoa and so i'm like not reacting to that you know what i mean like doing my best to just observe it and like let it go and not go into it and not give it any you know power or anything because you also practice um equanimity and and equanimity is all experiences that arise are equal no matter whether they're good, they're the best thing that's ever happened or the worst thing that's ever happened, you kind of train your mind to see everything as equal. And so, you know, so in life, when things are going up and down, which things, everything goes up and down and everyone goes through ups and downs, it's just the way of life, you can maintain this kind of like steady on this, like, you know, kind of knowing that that's just what life does and you have the power to remain, you know, balanced during it because you're not attaching to either or like you're not attaching to the highs and you're not attaching to the lows you know you're not craving the highs and you're not trying to run away from the lows so um so you practice this like equanimity thing and you remind yourself of these things so you don't you know give these things any more energy than you know than they have and they're just arising and you're just letting them go so it was just like my knees were hurting and then i was having this itch and then my you know i was like getting angry and then it was just all building up like a volcano and my like my arm was like twitching because i really just wanted to get up and or just like yell or you know express it i just wanted to express it and that's what the whole practice is the whole practice is about not like reacting to it and expressing it. It's just like kind of just letting it run its course and pass through. So I was like really angry and I had like a visualization of like getting up and like being King Kong and smashing through walls and stuff. It was so funny. Like it was so hilarious. Like I'm just observing go myself going through this thing. And, and then there came to a point where I was like, no, I'm going to stick through this, you know, I'm going to stick through this. I'm going to not react. I'm going to chill. I'm not going to itch. I'm just going to sit here and breathe. And I made it through the end of the meditation and I just felt like, a well, cause there was this moment where I just felt like I was like a samurai and I was, and I probably shouldn't even have been doing that. That was probably, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I, but I just like main, I like sat. I like straightened my back and I like sat tall and I was just like, I'm going through this, you know? And then the meditation was over and I even pushed it further because I was still, still feeling discomfort from my knees and whatever. But I just like maintained this calmness and I actually like smiled during it and smiled through it. And, um, 
it was really awesome to be able to react, you know, kind of like with a smile of like gratitude that these things were happening because it's good that these things are happening because they're coming out. You know what I mean? You're learning to you're learning to actually deal with them on an experiential level. You're you're doing something with these, you know, thoughts. I mean, you're not doing something, but you're like letting them go. You're actually um kind of well, you're just letting them go. So it's it so when you're, you know, and the main teacher during these videos when he's saying when he's talking, he's like, when you're going through these really tough moments, he's like, put a smile on your face because it is during these moments that you're able to really do the work and like let go of these things. And, you know, it's like you're really working on these things. Like most of the time when bad things happen to us, we, you know, go down to this like negative spiral, like why, 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 why me? Is it, you know, because I'm this way? Is it because I did that? And it's just like this never ending like thing, you know, and then it happens again and you do the same thing over and over again. And, it doesn't do anything, but, you know, shit happens sometimes, no matter what you do. And you can learn to not react to it and not add to it and also see it as just shit happening, you know, because shit happens. <laughs> shit does happen. And yeah, I've seen it, you King Kong in skate videos before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so totally, totally. And, and it's funny because I did a really, you know, over my – years of being in skating and having interviews and stuff i've done a really good job of you know projecting the image of like the zen dude and as always calm and you know i am calm you know and not all the time and sometimes inside there is like anger and rage and stuff but i think it's because i've done my best to not have it affect anyone you know what i mean like it's like okay i'm going through this stuff and it sucks whatever but i don't want to like make other people feel that you know yeah. like i don't want to project i don't want to at least i don't want to make anyone else feel bad because of it and um and that and it's funny because there was this guy that was in my cabin and there's like 12 people in a cabin and i he's one of the only people i talked to before i uh before we started and so it was like, you know, you're talking and you're having conversation or whatever. And then the day comes to start it and you're like, all right, you know, see you on the other side or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> so like, so when we came out of it and I saw him and it was time to talk and it was the first thing I was going to say, I just started laughing. <laughs> and, and he was like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, man, it's so, I was like, it's so fucking crazy that like, we were going through so much crap, dude. Like, and, and you can see it in other people too. You know, when someone's going through something, but this particular guy, he was like, he goes, he asked me, he goes, were you ever angry at anyone? Did you ever just like not like anyone? And I was like, no, not really. I mean, there were some people that I would look at and some thoughts would arise. Like maybe I was judging them in a certain way or whatever, but nothing like serious. And he was like, you know, I was just going through so much crap and there was this one time um, and we were meditating in the room and I was going through something and I knew he was going through something because like he opened his window and then he was moving around and he was like shuffling around and whatever. 
And I was just like sitting there doing the meditation, but I was going through something too, you know, but I just wasn't expressing it. And he was telling me, he was like, man, I was looking at you and I was like, this fucking asshole, man, he's looking all Zen and like, you know, (laughs) and I can't even like sit still and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, you're tripping, dude. Like I was going through so much too, but I just didn't, you know, I'm just good at not, you know, making a fuss about it. Yeah, <laughs> to everyone, and and it's funny because that's what, um, you know, the teacher says while you're meditating in the hall with everybody. You're not supposed to. Your eyes are supposed to be closed the whole time, and you're not supposed to be looking around or anything. And he was explaining that part of that is because you'll be going through something, and then you'll look around, and everyone just looks like stone Buddhas, like all perfected, you know, like silent <laughs> and stuff. But it's nothing. Nothing can be further from the truth. Like everyone's going through, you know, their own stuff, and it's often very intense stuff. You know, um, you know, moments from your past, like moments from your childhood. Uh, you know, just all this stuff is just kind of like, you know, you're going into your memory banks essentially, and all these thoughts that you haven't thought of in like forever, just like coming up and you know going. And coming up and you're letting them go and you're just supposed to let go of everything that that comes up. So, And it's really intense because it's all you're doing, you know. All you do is that, is look at yourself in the mirror essentially like every day and, and, and not judge yourself and, you know, love yourself. And it, loving yourself, it's not something that you're doing. Like, you know, it's not a part of the practice. It's just a byproduct of not judging yourself. And part of it what, about the practice that was so beautiful was like, you know, the teacher was saying, um, you know, when you let go of these thoughts and these patterns, you, you just naturally become a more uh, loving and compassionate person. And becoming more compassionate is natural because if you can sit there and observe your thoughts and and let go of all the judgments and the fears and all the stuff that you have about yourself you just naturally become compassionate towards other people that are also going through the same thing because everyone is going through the same stuff in their own way like every single human being on earth is going through something you know and and we're so in our own little worlds and our bubbles that we don't realize that fact Oh, and it's getting more complicated with uh, with our phones and stuff, with technology. Yeah. Uh, although yeah. we are getting connected for rollerblading, it's a great thing. But yeah. for feeling separate from other people sometimes. You know, you can look through uh, someone's photo album on Facebook or something and start to think like, oh, their life looks way better than mine right now. That yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, and everyone does their best to post their greater, you know, greater moments. Which I think is is okay, you know. I think it's great. Like I always try to, you know, post some of the more like positive things in my life um, on the internet. Whether it's like I'm with my family or, you know, there's a nice view or something, you know. Because I don't want to. Because then you have on the other hat on the other side of that coin, you have people that are just voicing their opinions without disregard to anyone. Um, you know, very like disrespectfully and and there's like a rampant case of disrespect kind of like surging through the internet. Oh, that's the worst part. 
without any regard to how people are reacting. It's like there's just this non-human factor, you know, to it. Like nobody's being taught respect anymore. And it's not even that, you know, you got to go around and be like, you know, goody goody all the time. Um, and, you know, be super positive all the time. It, it, it doesn't even have anything to do with that because life's not always like that. But there's a difference between, you know, that and then just like actively going out and just like spreading your negativity and your opinions on people without any regard, you know, for what you're doing. Um, and that's something that's like huge right now. And it's, and it's everywhere, you know, I mean, it's not just rollerblading, but it's every, you know, everyone's talking about that. And, uh, you know, it's really affecting a lot of people, you know, people don't realize that people, other people are reading this stuff and it's like affecting them. Like, I mean, I think there's like a group of people that are just always doing it and always talking, you know, trash and saying extremely obscene and disrespectful things, like extremely disrespectful and obscene things. Um, and there's groups of people that are just doing that over and over and they're kind of numb to it. But then there's the rest of the world that is actually like, you know, taking it as a real action and a real, you know, thought and, and feeling it and it's just like this is horrible you know what i mean like you would never say anything like this to somebody in person yeah you would never like and if someone said that actually like if the voice was there and the all of that was there oh man it would just be like oh like i can't even i don't even like thinking about it that's why i love uh i think sean cullen was the first to do it he made a video of himself reading comments and then replying to them and i just think that's great sometimes like if you speak the comments out loud it really breaks down how silly a lot of them are yeah to say them in person And and it makes them more it makes them more real um i think there's this aspect of people aren't aware that what they're doing is real um absolutely they're actually doing something like somehow they can transcend that it's an actual, you know, action because it's being typed. But the reality of it is, is that's, it's not always like that. Like people are, people feel what you say, you know, people are reading hateful, you know, comments and they're just extremely unneeded. You know, they're very immature. They're not opinions because opinions take, you know, guts to have, they take like a voice and, you know, passion and, you know, to 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 say these things they take courage um but there's a difference between that and just you know saying really horrendous stuff critical thinking yeah really important as we go into the next however long of the internet shit talking era because uh how jason silva says it in his enthusiastic voice he'll say uh (laughs) he'll say we can telepathically send our thoughts through text message not telepathically but you know it is it's it's electronically assisted telepathy pretty much is what we have with the internet and none of us could have predicted that when we first started getting into skating so what it can be used for is like um, amazing growth 
amazing criticism and amazing conversations that can go in depth. But since it's so new. Yeah, I think we're all, everyone is just adjusting to it. And actually, you know what, in, in, in one sense, you know, you know, I'm talking about the negativity aspect of, of that and, um, how that's affecting people. But in one sense, it's also really good because people are actually getting response to it. You know what I mean? Like, you can say something and then a bunch of other people will go, yo, you need to check yourself. You know, but, you know, you're actually getting like a response, especially if something is, you know, done like that, like in high disrespect on Facebook or something, it's like your name. And a bunch of other people are going to like with, say with their names, like, yo, that's that's so disrespectful. Like, why would you say something like that? It's totally irrelevant to what is being talked about, you know? Um, so so I think people are, it's a, it's a way for us. Um, I think it's a way for humanity to see itself a little more clearly in a very rapid fashion. I always think the internet is here for us to get over ourselves. Yeah. Cause the, the way we first use it is, in a kind of a separate way. Um, and eventually without sounding too ridiculous, it, it has to get to a point where we become one giant, uh, hive mind that it's all the same thoughts and, but that's really far away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel that, um, I mean, I feel like the internet is a blessing to humanity because, you know, there's, there's all, you know, you hear everyone's talking about technology and like how bad it is and people are texting too much and people are on the internet talking trash and people aren't living and, you know, you're just on your computer all day and, you know, whatever and down talking it. Um, but I, I think we're just in the very beginning stages of learning how valuable this tool can be for us as a, as a race of people and coming together and connecting on a lot of beautiful ways, a lot of ways that make um, humanity beautiful and a lot of ways that we're expressing ourselves like, and realizing that as human beings, we can do so many awesome, we can do so much awesome stuff. Like you ever see those videos where it say like human beings are awesome. And then there's like people skydiving and then the, you know, there's even rollerbladers grinding stuff and a skateboarder does this huge trick and then there's this person rock climbing with no things and you ever seen any of those videos? Yeah, people are awesome compilations. Yeah, yeah, people are awesome. It's like, that is amazing, you know? And everyone loves those things because you're just like, wow, people are awesome. Look what these people are doing. Like, wow, we can do that you know we can actually be what if like the world was everyone doing awesome stuff and we use technology to take care of the crap that we didn't really want to do (laughs) like like, fix the garbage and like (laughs) do those kind of things but i think we're in the very beginning stages of seeing that this that the internet can connect us and bring us closer to each other and and what being a human being really means and and can mean and you know what our potentials could be and to sidetrack on another story um there was i was in santa cruz when i was living there and i went into a thrift store and there was a piano there and i've always wanted to get a piano i was playing this piano and i'm playing it you know i'm trying to you know 
well, I'm just playing it because it's fun. And then this uh, this dude came in and he worked there and he was like 16. And he started talking to me and he was like, oh, you play? And I was like, well, not really because, um, I mean, I do, but I'm, I just learned a couple things on YouTube. And, and so then we just started talking about, uh, you know, learning stuff on YouTube. And then he brought up an idea that um, we're moving into a renaissance. Uh, we're moving into like a digital renaissance. And that really stuck in my mind. And because the, the potential for um, us to move in that direction is so possible. And, you know, everyone's got phones, you know, and everyone's got iPads and there's all these apps and everyone's messing with photos. And then, you know, you got this group of people that are saying like, oh, you're not a photographer. You think you're a photographer because you got a phone or you think you're a musician because you got this new high tech digital equipment or you think you're a photographer because, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think I said that already. But um, but really, I think it's a beautiful thing because so many people are having access to the arts and they may be digital, but you know what? That's where we're moving. That's just evolution, you know? It's that's what we're doing. So I feel like this um, this renaissance is totally possible. Then you have these like flash dance people that just flash mob people that just start dancing in the street randomly. And then you got these. They're also doing it with music, and they're just like all of a sudden uh, an orchestra will be in the middle of the street, and then people are just like amazed by it. Or you have dancers in the street. It's like um, I think like uh, a fantasy world would be like that. <laughs> that's the one i unfortunately my my imagination is like that all the time yeah well it's a great keep it going <laughs> don't don't stop i think more people need to think in that direction in terms of like having a human experience on earth that is awesome and everyone's doing everyone's expressing themselves in their own um individual way or finding out what that even means because i think every single person has a particular uh you know art that they can do here or an in particular interest you know um that they can do they just have to you know find what it is um and or do it you know some people just are lucky and they're able to do it their whole lives i mean i feel extremely lucky with rollerblading because you know i was just a you know doing it because I was obsessed with it and it was all I thought about every day. I didn't think about anything else. I mean, I didn't think about school I didn't about nothing. And so whenever you're doing something over and over and over and over again, you like, it's beautiful because you're just naturally getting good at it without thinking about it. That's, that's an interesting thing. So that obsession with rollerblading, because I still am obsessed with rollerblading, you know, I still yeah. have that. And, uh, I'm. I've said before I'm not done with it yet. I yeah. just I. I think there'll be a time where I know that when I'm done with it, it could be never. But you know what? I I see you rollerblading forever. <laughs> um, I, I, me I totally, too. especially how to watch your rollerblading evolve from just the videos that I've seen of you. The way you skate is a forever, kind of way. Wow. Um. I totally see you being old and 80 and just like rocking it. 
<laughs> oh shit i can't wait for that but then by that time there'll be like hover blades or i don't know what we won't even be doing physical stuff we'll just be plugging into stuff and like you know digitally existing but who knows but I, the shit that we did the raw shit that we did on in real life is still going to be referred to as awesome i hope people are in the... <laughs> they're like oh remember they used to actually do stuff physically <laughs> God, what hope, a waste. <laughs> I hope it's not like that. Um, oh, no, I, well, you know, and if it is like that, maybe, you know, it's just the way it goes. And it's that's awesome, too. And, yeah, you that, know, awesome evolves as well, you know. Um, <laughs> so your obsession with rollerblading, if you're silent for 10 days and you're meditating all the time, yeah. how often does rollerblading pop up and what kinds of things? Because rollerblading pops up all the fucking time. In yoga class, in yeah. like the absolute quietest moments, uh-huh. it'll pop up in yeah. the deepest part where I think I'm super, super, super relaxed and the mind yeah. is quiet. I'll think of a trick or a movement or something. Yeah. No, I and and that's exactly that's exactly what happened in the second half. It was like the first half was um, the past and like things I was like certain moments in my life where you know. I, I didn't agree with the person I was and, you know, maybe someone hurt me and maybe I hurt someone's feelings or whatever. And, and you're just going through this and, um, and you're letting go of the, of these things that you've been holding on to for so long, you know, cause it's like, you know, you feel a guilt of something and then you're like, I need to hold on to that because, you know, that's, that was, that was just wrong. And, you know, I need to continue to feel bad about it you know but it's like when do you stop feeling bad about something you know like at what point you know especially if it's something that happens like forever ago and um so there's this period that i went through that was half the meditation that i was visiting the past and um visiting all these emotions and these feelings that existed in the past then uh it was the then the second half was thinking about the future which you're also not supposed to think about <laughs> while, while you're while you're doing this, and you know what I mean. When you free up a lot of energy from thinking these things, because you, when you're in this meditation, you realize how much your mind is just going, 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 going. And you know what? That takes energy to go, 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 go. You know, everyone's filled emotionally drained from you know, thinking about something too much or like stressed out and headache because they're thinking about something too much because it takes a lot of energy combined with emotion. It's like really can drain you. So, you know, the, you're, the first half is letting go of all these thoughts and you're just letting go. And so when your mind's not going through these patterns all the time, you know, this, this energy frees up because this energy is not being directed into those thoughts and it can go to other places. So, during the second half, I was just getting excited about the future. It was just like, wow, what can I do with this energy? And like, man, I could do this. And, and you know what? There's this, um, you know, you, you know, when you think about doing tricks, do you ever like sometimes you're in a certain mood and you think about stuff and when you're visualizing it, it's like stuff you've never done before, but you feel like you know you can do it. Yep. And then there's other moments where you're not feeling so great. And you're thinking about doing something and then you think like, no, I can't do that because I'll eat shit. Because, and then you have this like imagination 
kind of thing where you imagine yourself just eating shit. And then there's other times where you imagine yourself just like doing something really easy. And then you feel what that feels like after and you get all excited and you're like, oh man, okay, now I'm going to go do that. So basically that's what I was like going through, you know, because you're, 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 you've spent so much time letting go of all these like limiting thoughts, these thoughts from the past and, and all this stuff, these limitations and these fears and you're freeing up all this energy um, to get focused, to, to use on staying focused and you're sharpening your mind at the same time you're doing all this stuff because you're bringing your mind constantly back to the present and sharp and you're sharpening it in a, in a sense. Um, so then you start with, so then from that point, when you start thinking about your future, things are more clear, you know, your, your visualization and your, um, imagination are just like, they're, it's confident and it's strong and it's precise and there's not as much like other bullshit thoughts surrounding it. Like, you know, you think of something good to do, but then there's like three other thoughts that are like, but what if you do this? But what if you fall off this? But what if you hit this? But you know what I mean? And then sometimes that gets you down or sometimes you can just like let it go and stay focused. But um, so thinking about the future was exciting, but I wasn't supposed to visualize or think about the future. (laughs) So it was really tough because, you know, you're especially when it comes to skating and, you know, you don't really, it doesn't really get much better when you're the most confident, when you feel the most confident and you're doing tricks really easy because there's no lag time in what you're thinking and what you're doing. And there's no sidetracking fear thoughts that are keeping you um, from doing it. Um, Like even while you're on a trick, you know, sometimes you have some certain thought and it throws you off like, particularly like on long balance rails. And I think about like the, the six, six, six rail (laughs) because like you're going through this battle in your head, like you're zenned out for one moment and then your leg moves in one way. And then you're like, Oh no, no, I'm going to fall. I'm going to go. You know what I mean? And then that, that energy thought is like, I can't fall. I'm almost there. (laughs) But, but there's certain moments when you're clear and that doesn't even exist. And you're just like, there and you're doing it you know um would you talk about um running and being you know in a in a, having a good session of skating do you think that that is that is its own meditation yeah that uh, maybe that's why a lot of people are hooked were hooked on it when they were younger and they don't even know it and it t- it takes longer to get into that state in skating but yeah it's the same skating can put you in the present moment very easily if you have a nice 45 minute warm up and then a nice long session yeah yeah it's with skating it's almost more of like a a ninja samurai thing because you know ninjas and you know that kind of thing they're focusing their mind and they're using meditation to perform like feats of you know superhuman abilities whatever um so they use meditation to 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 transcend you know their bodies and whatever and it we're using it we kind of use it in that sense and that's the difference between you know skating and running like running's like a repetitive thing you know and you're not jumping on anything you don't have to there's less to transcend (laughs) (laughs) because like you know when you're doing a trick there's so much 
You know, there, there can be so much. But what's funny is that there can also be nothing. If your mind is clear, you can just think of doing something, no matter how complex it is, and just do it. And I, I find that with skating, like I'm always trying to, to get to that point. And maybe sometimes I try too hard and I get, you know, because I'm always trying to have this particular experience. And then when I don't have this particular uh, Zen, like um, letting my body do its thing with no thoughts to as to like guiding it, um, always kind of wanting that feeling, then I get like bummed out. But, you know, when in certain tricks, it's always for me mentally, it's this like, okay, I thought about the trick and now I just need to get out of the way and let it happen. Okay. So it's like relaxing my body. It's just actually it's just relaxing my body and sometimes it's making a physical adjustment like i need to make a physical adjustment and often i'll get so angry because i'm not landing a trick and i'm instead of like kind of like stopping for a second and thinking hey maybe i'm not jumping high enough maybe i need to like be in my body more and push off more um and if i make that adjustment i'll land a trick like first try after that and then i'll be like oh you know like instead of just like oh i'm not a shitty skater i just needed to do that (laughs) you know (laughs) but some but i i I think with skating i tend to exist more in like the the mental kind of realm of it and kind of just like mind power my way through like what's happening and like relax and like I said, just like let it happen. I, I go for more of like a feeling. Like um, like I know what it feels like to be relaxed and let things happen. And I'm always trying to get to there. And, you know, as I say that right now, I also think that can be a limitation. Um, because I'm always reaching some kind of height that is not easily attainable. You know, um, some days it is and some days it's not, you know. Do you ever, I get frustrated in that way with skating. Yeah, which happens to everybody. Yeah, totally. Well, totally. But let's just say on a good day or you're watching a section of yourself. Uh-huh. And I've been thinking a lot about this lately. When I'm really in it for skating and then I watch, I see something on a screen of me doing a movement or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't think of it as me when it's, when it's good, when I think it's quote unquote good, or when I really feel like I drew on something where I just forgot everything and was just doing some kind of a movement. Yeah. Do you ever like see yourself in videos and think that's not me? That's like something else that's happening? Cause uh, you, you know, I have to say no, because <laughs> if I'm doing something that I remember I was really on it, I get excited on my, I get, you know, I'm pumped on myself. <laughs> Well, that that's that's so interesting. I'm the opposite. Yeah. I don't yeah. really remember how something felt. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a particular moment that I knew that I was doing what I was trying to do, and it's like I say, I, I'm pumped on myself. I'm I'm not like pumped on myself and compared to like anyone else, but I'm just pumped on myself. Like, you know, it was a very special moment in my life. You know, every trick that you deem hard and you know you film for in a section or whatever it's like you know you're creating it's one of my only ways that i create 
you know, I have an art, like I'm not a painter. I don't, you know, I don't draw, you know, I get, I try to make music, but I wouldn't consider myself like a musician. Um, but it's like my masterpiece in a sense. And yeah. not that it has to be perfect every time, but, and I, and I think this comes down to like self-acceptance too, because I'm so hard on myself that there's not a lot about what I do in life that I give a hundred percent acceptance to. And that's one of my, I don't want to say like downfalls, but I guess energetic kind of like drains sometimes because, um, you know, it being, a, and that's what comes with being like a perfectionist. You know, it's like this, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. And, and it's nice to push yourself and continue to move forward, but there's a balance within that. Like there's a balance in everything. And if, nothing is ever acceptable, you end up feeling shitty a lot of the time. You know, if there's not a balance where you're like allowed to feel, you know, good about something you're doing, then most time you're just feeling shitty because you're making yourself feel shitty because nothing is, you know, good enough. And I think a lot of rollerbladers go through that. I think we all share that, um, to one degree or another. Um, I think we all share that. I think you have a little bit of both in your skating. I think you can tap into that, um, the free-flowing movement, but then you're very technical and you're able to break it down. Like, yeah. I'm trying really hard not to bring up the fast slide at IMYT, but it's too late. I just did. <laughs> that moment specifically, is were that... You, were you there? No, I wish I was there. I mean, I got to, I got to watch it on video oh, and feel oh, the vibes what? anyway like the vibes you can still feel it every anytime yeah. you watch that footage yeah but that trick in that moment is my audio still good by the way yeah yeah you're totally okay. good that that trick in that moment do you actually remember the feeling of sliding down the rail no see that's it seems like one of those moments that is out uh, hard to explain yeah the feeling that you had before, during, and after that it, you were drawing on something ridiculous. And I guess it comes back to the starting. Like You knew some top-secret method to tap into the energy of the yeah. event or something like that. Yeah, exactly. You that, found exactly. your little wormhole that day. And some days you don't know where the wormhole is. But exactly. that day you did... Because Fast Slide wasn't... Had Farmer... That was before Farmer's Fast Slide and yeah. Words. So that was... Yeah, very shortly after that, everyone was seeming to master it. So, <laughs> and I didn't even really mess with it much after that, to be honest. This is like, what I don't get. So, how did you know that you were going to fast slide that rail? Like, at what point had had you fast slid something that long? Or um, I had been playing with it on the Razors tour that led up to that contest, and. Part of it, and you know, the first time I did it on a rail was, I believe, at Airborne the day before. Oh, that's like a perfect rail. Yeah. For it. I've that never skated was, it, but I just know shit's gone down on it in videos. Yeah. Oh, man. So many awesome sessions on that rail. Um, <laughs> but that was the first time, I believe, that I did it on something that was longer than like five feet. And, and I just... You know, I did it on that. Um, but before that, 
uh, I think I was, you know, when you were talking about this thing, like tapping the wormhole or making the wormhole or whatever, I, oh man, it's so hard not to go into this because <laughs> there's so much to this. But let's just say that, um, you know, I was in a contest and I wanted to win and I felt like I was going to win. So it gradually builds your, you know, you're watching what other people are doing and, you know, to win a contest, you got to be doing some stuff that's like never done or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was, I, that was like one of the last things, you know, it was coming to this moment where it was like, okay, I did these tricks. I can like, finish it up with this essentially but and that's even too much i don't even think i was thinking that but the kicker was dustin looked at me and he said fast slide it and it was not it was not because i wasn't i didn't do it because dustin told me to do it (laughs) but but it but it just so happened that like i was thinking about doing it and he said it and it kind of like was like on the way to doing it and i smiled and i looked at him I looked at him and I smiled and then I did it. This proves my theory that Dustin Latimer is actually a time traveler. (laughs) Dustin Latimer, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. He's a time traveler from the future (laughs) who came back to do all of this work within rollerblading. (laughs) Yeah. And that that part of your story go that works. If this was a movie. And you were yeah. following Dustin Latimer, the time traveler, and rollerblading. <laughs> no, he was like the he was. It was like I was in the woods, and he was the Gandalf in the woods. <laughs> That's yeah. totally how I saw it. But like, I mean, I I I didn't mean to paint it yeah. like you know he told me to do it and I did it because it wasn't that I I thought I about it as well. But he also said it as well. It was like it was this like we both knew what needed to be done. And then okay, I swear it was in like a Daily Bread article or someone. Someone described that moment that was there at the contest as a almost. They said something like almost spiritual moment when they yeah. described you fast sliding the rail. No way. Really? I, yeah, I'll try and find the daily. <laughs> it bread. was a very, it was a very spiritual day for me to, to so, be honest. Because it was in the law. Oh man, I don't want to go into this. <laughs> I know we'll save it for the I M Y T A episode. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. just, I, I think about that trick uh-huh. a lot when because maybe had brain fear gone had been out. Yeah, by that point, so, Justin did fast slide the rail and brain fear gone. Yeah, which was. But but that the one that you did, like you blew the doors. I don't think Farmer wouldn't have done his fast slide if he wasn't there to see your fast slide, probably. Or who knows? But well, it, I, I think it's just the it's just the natural progression, you know. Dustin did that fast slide. I remember when Dustin did that fast slide. I was living in Austin, Texas, with Lonnie Gallegos at the time, and and the Mayan video just came out, and. We watched it and it was just like everything has changed. Like there's so that's possible. Wow, you can. And it's funny because it's like people. Um, it's like a natural evolution of like getting rid of rules in a sense. It's like okay, those rules don't apply anymore. Fast slide is not a fast slide anymore. It's something you can actually balance. And so then everyone goes, wow, it's possible. Okay, let's try it. 
and it's not that it was never not possible, but you actually, it's easier when you see physically something done, then you know it's possible and you know you can do it. And it may take some work. And I remember going to the skate park the very next day and I was trying to do fast slides. Like, you know, like the very next day. Um, so it's this kind of just natural thing. Like he did it on that rail, which was a, which was huge. It was like a huge leap, it's huge jump, you know? And so then I did it, which was also on a rail, but there was something particular about that rail, you know, maybe it was longer and it was steeper. It was just a bigger rail. So then that, you know, stepped it up as well. And then, then you have everyone else that took it to, wow. Like, you know, they took it extra further. <laughs> it was like D Dustin took it further. It's like Dustin made a huge leap. And then I kind of made a little bit of a jump past that, but not like a huge leap. And then Alex and Haffy and, you know, Farmer, and they just like blew it open, you know, to a point that people still can't even, people are not going there. Uh, people don't, people the, don't go to those realms. The kink one that our Broskow does to this day is still i don't Dude, i don't understand it roscow is still the wizard of the fast slide now he's got them both ways too doesn't yeah, he yeah and that's that's wizard levels you know that's beyond i, I would say Broskow's grandmaster at yeah. this point <laughs> yeah. i would think yeah yeah or white wizard i can't yeah he is white wizard we're st yeah, yeah we're starting to figure out there's extra levels there I are think. Yeah, rollerblading for twenty years is pretty basic wizard, yeah. but Broskow and there's and there's like oh, it's so fun to 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 look at things like that, like with the whole ninja thing. There's so many parallels because there's like you could be a wizard, you could be a ninja, you could be what I like. Do you know uh, Victor um, Galicia? I think I always say his name wrong, which is horrible because he's. You know, Galens, uh It doesn't have an N in it. I always think of it as no. Galencia. I don't think it has Galaxy. That I think it's Galicia. That um, guy's on his own level, definitely. Totally. And I watched him one day, and I was like, he is the jungle. He's like the Native American jungle ninja because he looks kind of native. He looks he's Mexican, but he looks Native American. He looks like he might be living in a jungle, and like cruising through the jungle like on some just on some slightly ninja stuff but it's really cool to uh, break down styles in that way because rollerblading is such a it's such a crazy thing like where do people's styles come from like and everybody's got so many different ones and they're not coming from like we all didn't go to the same dojo and practice karate and then one of us became like Bruce Lee and said, F all that, you know, there's no style and, you know, I'm going to do this. It was just like everyone was just working with what they were given. And some people came from a soccer background or a football background or a, or a martial arts background or whatever, dance background, whatever. But it's so crazy to go into it and actually uh, relate it to things like martial arts or, or even on a more – on the more esoteric side of things like wizard and stuff, because there is that aspect to skating as well. Like it's a huge part. That's know? wild. Have, Cause I've broken mine down. Like I've tried to go back and, and write down all of the things that I can link up towards why I skate the way I do now. And there was a big one that I did. Um, is my audio still good? Yeah. Okay. Good. Sweet. 
I did a Michael Jackson airband uh, in front of my school when I was in like grade two. I was really little, and I don't even know how or why I did it. Or I had seen a Michael Jackson video of him like doing his dance moves, lots of spinning. I love the spin, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. And I. That's so bizarre that I was that young and wanted to do that in front of an audience in, in school. And then and then I get into hockey and I discover ice skating. And then I'm good at hockey, but I'm not really into the sports aspect. And then yeah. I discover drama in high school and I'm super into making videos and I'm really into music. And then yeah. boom, I see Mad Beef and Hoax too. And then all of this shit just kind of comes together. And the spinning didn't come later, but that's the earliest thing I can remember. And yeah. I did I did want to skateboard when I was really young. My parents wouldn't let me. So oh, I used to skateboard when I was when I was really little. I, I didn't like pursue it like, you know, it was just something that everyone did. It was, you know, it was like the eighties. It was yeah, you know it was just fun like that. Um my you know where you know where I can trace my roots to uh, being the way I'm, I am with skating and stuff. I traced them to elementary school in the playground on um, me and Jason Howard and a bunch of other friends that I don't know anymore. Um, we used to swing, like on the swings, and we used to do tricks, and we had a swinging crew. And we were like doing backflips, and then we were making up moves, and then we were also like going to the tallest slides or whatever and just jumping off of them. And, like, I, I would trace my skating, like, trick root gr- roots to, to, to that, um, which is pretty awesome. I like to I like to go back to that. And did you guys do a boys to men air band? Or am I... Uh, dude, how did... <laughs> well, I think we've talked about... I think there was even footage in, like, a Black Fabric video of us dancing. Okay, together. that's where I saw it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so that boys- was the same crew. Yeah, yeah. Me and Jason... Um, me and Jason Howard, like, we go way back. We played football together. We were on the same football team. Um, and then we played... We grew up rollerblading together. We played roller hockey. We... You know, a big time of my beginning years rollerblading was spent uh playing tag going down hills having races uh just doing everything on rollerblades because you know you're a kid and it's freedom and you just want to you're playing and there's no rules and you just want to do everything on them so that's what we did and uh so yeah we played football and then we did that and then my sister had a boyfriend and he rollerbladed and i saw him do a stair ride for the first time and I was like, oh, my God, you can do that. And I had some Bauer F7s. I don't know if you know what those are. Were those three-wheel? Uh, no, they were four. Okay. And they had, like, highlights of pink on them. My mom got them on sale uh, for Christmas at, a like, a big five sporting goods store. And um, they were, they were like, really better than the last ones I had, which were some Veriflex City Heats. Um and after that stair ride, I kind of was like the bringer of news to Jason and everyone else. And I was like, wow, we can do that. Holy and, then, shit. and then we went around looking for schools just for stairs. And this is before we knew about rails or anything. So then we just spent a lot of time that doing that and playing tag 
and rolling around everywhere because it was such an amazing thing as a kid skating so far and just being free in the streets like it was one of the you know it's the most amazing thing and you're just cruising and going on adventures and bombing hills and we used to spend like an entire day and i was talking about this earlier because randy was saying he wanted to my randy was saying he wanted to go down some hills and i knew of some hills um we used to just all day long we used to walk up the hill and then go down it walk up the hill and go down it walk up the hill and go down it and um you know we were just doing everything on rollerblades um and it was just so fun do you feel um that sense of play and doing whatever you want on skates uh, tugging at you a little bit as you're getting older. Do you feel sometimes like locked in to? Yeah, and I and I do feel locked in. But it's funny is that I'm the only one that's locking me in, you know. So it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to do. I think it's maybe different when your your peers or your friends are like locking you in, and you have this drive to like you know do something else and then maybe you don't have those friends anymore and then you're free it's like now it's like a self imprisonment of you know it's like what i think it's just conditioning of the mind of like what makes you feel good on skates and it's this like um it's like you're telling yourself that you only have like at the end of the day, you can only feel good if you did these certain things. And it's not even you, I should say. At the end of the day, if I didn't do something that was acceptable to me or on a certain level, then, you know, I'm not feeling good about the day and how it went. And I mean, every, every rollerblader can relate to that, especially if you're one who is um, out there trying to get specific tricks and do specific things, you know, and not taking anything away from that. That's a, that's like an art in itself. You know, you're executing and creating certain things that you, you know, want to do. Um, but I find that like when I'm older, that kind of thinking is not really, um, kind of beneficial to my overall, overall being on rollerblades, but you know, it's, it's hard to, to break those patterns. It's extremely hard. Um, it's extremely hard when you're by yourself and it's extremely hard when you're not around, uh, you know, that kind of like vibe that we grew up with, with friends yeah. where you're just, where you're just playing around because, you know, it was almost like a fluke. Like a lot of us got so good because we were just had a lot of time playing and it wasn't something that we like, you know, were training. It's not something that ends for a lot of us. It was, it wasn't even like a dream to be a professional skater it was just like you're playing with your friends and you're getting good and then you're like wow i'm getting good like whoa i could get sponsored oh it'd be cool to get free skates because you know what it feels like to buy skates and how hard it is and you're like oh, i could get free skates i remember the first time i got free skates they were um or sponsored skates it was they were razor super flats from john elliott and i oh, went oh shit more yeah. more special powers Oh God, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. They weren't from him. Like he took me to Razors and I got them. No, but that's still you, that's still special. Yeah, power. yeah. You know what? I got superpower from John Abina though. Oh shit! I haven't heard that name in a long because time. Because the very first Razors I ever skated were a pair of flats that he, the blue ones, that he, that he gave me. 
You know what? I'm thinking there's a picture in Daily Bread of a bunch of you guys sitting against a fence. And I bet uh-huh. that picture sold so many pairs of razors. It's like yeah. everybody except for Reduda, I think, had razors in that picture. Yeah. I think he had USDs. No, no, because John Julio and – actually, I was probably – well, me, John, and Bino were, I think, the only ones actually. No, there was – I remember there's a couple other – maybe it was just that it was that cool seeing like – you could see the speed dimples – on the yeah. bottom of the yeah, sole yeah. plate, and it was the old style backside plate. Those were those were really good skates. The, I think yeah. um, around that time was when I decided to try razors, and I got the first uh-huh. John Elliott ones, which were good skates too. Yeah, with they the were. centered backslide plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the 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 changed backslide plate. I remember that. How did it's you feel about special. that? Um, I don't know. I I kind of was. I didn't really feel like it mattered to me <laughs> to tell you the truth uh you know i'm sure it had some benefits but i wasn't really focused on them like yeah. i wasn't i wasn't feeling like it was stepping up my game so or anything it was john abena's skates that you got power yeah from? yeah john abena gave me them and yeah i got some power from those and i was pumped up i also got a pair of you know what another uh pivotal point of getting free skates in my life was i got a pair of k2 style points from eric garcia oh shit and when i got those it was like wow i was i i did some tricks in those skates that i probably haven't still haven't done did you leave them flat or were they anti uh they were flat that was during a period where everyone rode flat that one that was a really interesting time in skating there was a lot of k2s in that era yeah and flat there were they were like the magic skates, dude. They, you know, you could backslide and unity, and and a lot of tricks were based around backslides and unities and soyals and you know that like those were the those were the big tricks you could do, you know. And and there weren't a whole lot of other tricks that you were really trying to do, anyways. They were just like you know there was the soyal, like I said, the soyal, the backslide, the unity, the royale, the 270 backslide royale, the half cab backslide, the 270 backslide. Like these were tricks that everyone was like, you know, those are the those are the ones that if you do good, it's like your money. Oh, this is making me think of so many extra things. <laughs> I know. I know. It's um, totally cool. The the day that you did the the 270 in spin torque like the blunt the true spin torque both yeah. ways uh-huh. on hubba yeah right well, i didn't i didn't do them uh in the same day oh that was it was separate days yeah which was really cool because they it was in two different videos and it was in vg10 and then it was in battle my crew i think okay so i just yeah re- yeah, yeah it was in vg10 then battle my crew um have you was that a skate specific trick uh no the first one wasn't the first one i did in dirks yeah you did and i had just had this idea to do it and um you know it was funny because doing for me i think doing anything you know there's a bit of this feeling like if you're doing something new or different that maybe it's not cool or maybe it doesn't look cool or like you know you kind of question it hey you're preaching to the choir I know, <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's, I'm, maybe I'm thinking I'm I'm coming from a, like a '90s perspective. Yeah, yeah. Same across the board. Um, 
And I actually remember talking to Jason Marshall and I was asking him about it. And I said, what do you think about it? Do you think this is cool? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know, that's fucking awesome. And, you know, you know, talking about Jason, he was really inspiring during those times because the only time I would see him is in San Francisco. And he would always say, like, positive things, you know, about my skating, which was really, you know, it was really nice to not only just to hear it from him, but just get positive encouragement in general. Um, and, like, I remember doing that, and he was like, yeah, that's totally cool. And then so – the thing about San Francisco and Friday night skate was like you waited all week and then Friday night was the night to just was the night to bust dude to like do stuff you never done to like really like showcase your shit at least for me it was yeah I mean it was it was a ton of fun too like it wasn't all that like I made some of my best friends ever there and I made some connections that you know, through Jared Majors and Eric Garcia. And, and I had some of the best times of my entire life during those nights, you know, during those Friday nights. And everyone was doing that and everyone was pushing. Um, but it was this more of an organic push. It wasn't like trying to push. It was, it was extremely organic and the energy levels were just so high because the, diverse, the diversity of the people that were there was just so... I don't know. We just all, we were all just high school kids meeting together in San Francisco to skate for hours on end at, at nighttime. You know, it was a very kind of magical thing. <laughs> and a lot of people did tricks that had never been done during those nights. And it was like a every Friday night thing. So that was just one I had been practicing like on a ledge and I thought it was possible. And then I just, I just got in this zone and and I did it. And you know, you know, you look back at it and it's funny because I, you know, it's not like I slid it, you know, forever, but for that time period it was something that was like huge. Well, you know? and when was the last time you saw one of those? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't know, I haven't. I should <laughs> I should be doing them. I always I always come up to this conversation because people call me out on it or we talk about it and they're like, yeah, but can you do it anymore? <laughs> you know, <and> <laughs> That's always, the worst. Yeah, I'm always like, shit. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, to my defense, I don't try it or practice it. So it's not that I can't do it. <laughs> isn't that weird how in, in rollerblading there's just so many tricks and we all have our little pre-programmed things that we like to do that it's weird to think, you know, you just – you don't think of doing that trick. And I'm not a super tech person, so I would never even bother to try that. I did have true unity for a while, which you see once in a while, like true alley of unity, yeah. the Dre Powell. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. See, oh, you don't so see the nice true thing. front torque. And you see people doing kind of like 360 in-spin torque soles where it uh -huh. looks like they might be able to bring that into a yeah. torque. But you yeah. don't see the, the straight-up torque. Yeah, you you don't see it a lot, but it it definitely has happened. There's Vinny Minton would took it over for a while, and he was doing it on. Oh, I think you're I, right. There was like a contest at Bercy. He did it on a rail, and then he did it on some like other things. And you know what? There's a few other people I know. Vinny Minton like, I know, definitely. Know, yeah, Vinny Minton handled it, and there's some other people that that took it to to new levels you know that i can't remember maybe whoever like you know 
someone reposts this in a Facebook or something and can name those people that have done it, that'd be really cool. But um, it is a it's an interesting one. It's a tough one. Christian Rodriguez did it too. Really? Oh yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. He yeah. I'm thinking something about that Razor's backslide plate. I don't know if that's just me. But you oh, did no, it in totally. It it totally was it, and the switch one is the one that I did on the razors. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Was that in that wasn't in flat? Uh yes, it wasn't flat. What? Really? Yeah. Well, everyone rode flat on those razors. The the frame at the time I think was just it was good for it. That's um Frank Stoner posted a Woodward edit and he was doing he did a crazy front torque across oh the mini God. and I asked him this is interesting that I'm thinking about this because that was in those skates with those frames uh-huh. and in flat. So yeah. were the ra- I never got to skate those frames. Or wait a minute. Yeah, I did get to skate those frames. They were hard, they were hard material and fast and the groove was smaller. And you yeah. could rocker them. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could rocker them. Oh, shit. And maybe that's why it was possible too because you rocked them out, out, you know? Yeah, I love that about the second gen ground control frames that you could rocker them out to. Um, yeah, I, I think that's actually what freed up the space to do that. But Frank yeah. Stoner was a wizard on those skates too, man. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was like a full speed, long ass front torque. Yeah. And it's also the placement of the foot, something about that backslide plate. Because remember, yeah. Richie would put. Um, he would have Solomon's, but he would put that Razor's backslide plate on his Solomon's because there was something, there was something about that plate that gave you. Yeah, and and there were two different styles of torques too. And I would use there's like the one where you're kind of like leaning back, or you're just parallel. Yeah. And then, but I I actually would do the one that your front foot was not parallel with or you're not you're not creating a 90 degree angle with your skate and the rail mine was more bent over kind of like sean kelso you know uh, sean kelso's yeah. torques yeah mine were like in between being completely sideways and being like more sean kelso because sean kelso really has like a an angle on it you know he's really on it most of the ones you see now are the just the straight, the straight perpendicular or yeah. the 90 degree. You don't see a lot of the angled ones. Yeah. No, you don't. Man. Uh, and then uh, what? Your physics section. Did <laughs> you skate your, I'm getting into skate tech stuff, but did you skate your REMS cuffless? Yeah. You did. That's what I uh-huh. thought. Yeah. There's something really particular about that era of your skating with the physics and the cuffless REMS. Uh-huh. That was uh, it. You moved in a different way, definitely in those skates, <laughs> in a much different way. Yeah, you know, you different skates bring out different things, and different like, you know, different tricks and different vocabularies and different um, just ways that you ways that you skate. So it's interesting because I've skated so many different. I mean, there was like. You know, until um, from the years of 2003 or four until 2007, I didn't have any sponsors. So 
I was just skating, you know, I skated everything essentially. And it was a funny time too, because everyone assumed that I was just like sponsored by these people. Yeah. And, you know, I was, they were giving me free skates, but I wasn't sponsored by them. Um, so a lot of people just assumed that it, when I was skating these skates, I was sponsored by them, but I wasn't. So, but I skated, you know, a lot of skates during that period of time, but I, but I was unsponsored for like four years, I think. And that's, I think the IMRTA episode, if we do that, wouldn't that, that would, uh, that coincides with you winning the final four that oh, started yeah. that whole journey. Yeah. And you know, the, the final four was during that period I was in, not to go into this, but I just kind of have to anyways, because I'm going to, um, I li- when I was living in San Diego and I was kind of bummed and I was like, not, you know, s- skating as well. I mean, I was skating, but I was just like, not skating as much as I, you know, could have been. And I wasn't skating around a lot of people. Um, and I was kind of bummed, you know, I ended up Julio is like, Hey, we're flying you out to this, you know, contest. And, I was like, wow, okay, cool, you know, but then I was kind of worried at the same time that, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to perform because I, I wasn't skating like all the time and I was only skating like this huge kink drill by my house, <laughs> <laughs> like on the solo mission because that was like all there was. Um, <laughs> but so, but then when I traveled and, um, funny thing about that, it was, I was on the an airplane with uh and there was this lady and she was sitting next to me and I was and she was really cool so I was talking with her the whole time. And then she goes um so how do you how do you think you're going to do at this contest cuz by this point I kind of just told her what I was doing and where I was going. She's like, "How do you think you're going to do at this contest?" And I stopped and I just went I'm going to win. <laughs> like I'm going to win. And then wow. I just had this like mentality essentially that like I'm going to win. Like I'm going to win, you know. Like I want to win I'm, or I'm going to win. I think it was just it's a form of like how you're thinking about your reality, you know. Cuz you can think about your reality like I want to win and the difference there's a difference by saying like I want to win and I'm going to win. There's different things happening there and then you know? she, like it wasn't like the dustin latimer moment where she told you to royale gap to royale oh no and then no go no, across no. and down no <laughs> no it wasn't no, that. <laughs> dustin appeared as the in the form of a you know young, young lady to ask me this crucial question at this crucial point in time and space <laughs> That would change. That would forever change the trajectory of my life. Um, so you just knew, and yeah, and you know what? It was more. I I wouldn't want to just like. I'm not gonna say that it was. It was. I knew. It was that I had trained my mind to think in a particular way, and when I said I was gonna, when I wanted to win the Detroit IMYTA, I started that thinking a month or two before the contest and I started that I started thinking that every day like 
Because there's, like I said, there's a different effect that saying, like saying something like, I want to win and I'm going to win. There's two different things. Like wanting to win, it's like, okay, you want to win. But there's all these other factors that come into it and whatever. But I'm going to win is just like, no matter what happens, I'm going to win. It doesn't even matter what, what else is going to happen. Like, whatever happens, it doesn't even matter because I'm going to win. You know, there's a different mindset there. So I think I started conditioning my mind at that time to think in those terms. Like, you know, to think that way. And so, like, at that, like, even at that Detroit contest, it was really the first, my first experience. And it was a very, like I said, it was a very, like, spiritual experience. It was like a breakthrough, like a mental breakthrough of sorts for me because I was, um, in a sense, challenging myself. Like there was, and I was having multiple thoughts, like on the day that I won that the Detroit one, I was having multiple thoughts about like, but what if this, and oh man, that guy did that trick, or Rob Thompson did this trick, like how are you going to do that? Like, you know, what are you going to, you know, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do this? And then I, but I was just letting him go. I was just like, no, I'm sticking to this resolve that I made that I'm going to, you know, do this and that's i you know that's pretty much what got me to you know it got me there you know it wasn't that i was like it half of it is not like i knew i was going to like i'm like psychic or something like i knew i was gonna win like it's in the stars and blah 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 but it was just like i came to this decision in my mind and i stuck to it you know and didn't let anything else like get in the way of it you know and i I think it was important you didn't tell anybody out loud that was just your own little no i told v about it v knew about it i told v because i was hanging out with v actually i told robert levanos about it too because that was a part of the like conditioning part as well you know you voice it you make it more real for yourself Um, wow and i told a few people and um, so I just was making it more real. Like I was believing in myself more because I was doing that, you know, and that's like going along with like affirmations and, and that kind of, you know, the power of those kind of things. Um, but I was, that's basically like what I was doing. And that was my first time ever experiencing something like that, um, in my life. So it was like, wow, like the power of the mind, you know, <laughs> This is that's a perfect. We've hit two thirty. That's like a perfect endpoint. Yeah. That yeah. we can pretty much start off, and that that brings it almost full circle too. Yeah. In my man, this was amazing talking to you. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I love you know. Isn't it fun just letting it flow? Like it's it's nice. And and not to say that this can happen with everyone, but I know that me and you have had this. Um, for some time now without ever even talking to each other just through Facebook and text messaging and stuff and I have this with you know you have this with certain people it's just like chemistry like with Kevin Yee me and Kevin Yee can do this like you know and you just this this flow of you know conversation and you kind of just let it naturally go you know and it goes by really quickly too totally totally does we were we were in a flow state, going with yeah. the flow. 
going with the flow. With Rob you know Guerrero. What, <laughs> you know what's funny too is I I bought that book, um, Flow. With it's the, like, yeah, with like psychology of flow. Yeah, Mihai hit yeah, the name. Yeah. It's impossible impossible to pronounce. Yeah, and it's funny because Kevin Yee told me about this years ago, and he was so excited about it. Like so excited about it, and he was like, "Rob, you gotta get this book, man. It's it's basically breaking down like what we do, and but and you know, and skating and talking and but and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I eventually bought it, but then it's just chilling. I need to read it. <laughs> guess what? I have that book too, and guess what it's doing? Chilling, chilling. <laughs> maybe maybe we need to start a rollerblading uh, book club. <laughs> and, you know, because that's always inspiring, right? It's way more inspiring when you have other people to talk about it. Like, it's separate. Like, our own little, like, side thing where we got a separate podcast where it's like a book club and you, and you just talk about the books that we're reading. Rollerblading book club. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, I remember you uh, – I tweeted one time um, something about, like, when I hold my pee, I know I'm in a flow state. And you retweeted it or liked it or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that's when you know it's just maybe someone that you could have a long conversation with. Because yeah. I could say that to certain people and they'd be yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's it's really a, you know, it's really a chemistry thing. You know, it really is comes down to that. And what, one more thing that I have to tell you okay. personally before we end this okay. is... And I've been waiting for this moment to tell you. So it's pretty <laughs> awesome. So during my Vipassana retreat, meditation retreat thing, I um, I didn't dream a lot. You know, I maybe had like a few dreams during that period. And I have to tell you that you were in one of those dreams. Whoa. Well, yeah, wait, wait. So check this out. We were... We were... Uh, I'm I'm sitting down and we're in this like apartment complex and I'm sitting on some steps and there's like a imagine like a two story apartment and then there's a balcony yeah and you're you're standing on the edge of the balcony with your skates <laughs> and you're looking down and down like you know like a story and there's this uh, concrete ledge that is skinny and it goes flat and down um and there's grass on one side and we're it's like we're in the middle of an apartment complex and you're like getting pumped and you're like standing on the edge of this balcony and it's a you know and you're getting ready and then you drop in from this balcony which is really high you land on the flat of this ledge and then you royale the down and you were so pumped and there was someone else there and I don't know who it was. And we everyone was just like, whoa, like, you know, you just did some big burly trick. And then I and then I remember I looked at you and I said something like, and you know what? It's totally acceptable by today's aggressive inline standards. Or something, <laughs> <like that. laughs> something and I think what I said was even cooler than that, but it was basically I summed it up like that. And you were laughing like hysterically. And then and then all of a sudden you were, your skates were off and you were in a tire swing in a tree and you were laughing and smiling. Whoa. Cause yeah. I had, I had one once with you and there was one other person, but I'm not sure who was in it. And we were chilling, <laughs> um, 
just out at Chuswap Lake, and it was after a day of skating. And it was, I think, long before I connected with you. Uh-huh. It was just this little moment um, at the end of a yoga class. And it was like this, <laughs> this really solid feeling that I was going to get to skate with you eventually. Uh-huh. And it came through that. So that's bizarre. And nice. you're trying to say I didn't roll it. Did I roll into this drop to Royale or no, I jumped no, straight? No, you just like straight dropped onto this flat. I, the flat oh, part man. And I, then you did the down. And then you Royale the down. I would laugh so hard if I did that. Cause I Dude, would... you were laughing so hard. Everyone was laughing. There was one other. Actually, there was. it felt like a group of people there. But then there was just one other person. We were all laughing hard. And I was like, dude. And then I made this jokingly like you know, satire kind of thing. And I was like, and it's totally acceptable by today's aggressive inline standards. That's what I said. And <laughs> and you were laughing so hard and we were all laughing. Oh, oh shit. My headphones fell out. Oh, that's, uh, that's a good way to end it. Yeah, totally. So. Wow. Well, I, uh, this was incredible. And I, lastly, um, I hope you get to come up sometime. Yes, I will. Um, Hopefully in the summer. Yeah, that sounds optimal. Yeah. During that time with what you guys are doing. And what you guys are doing is going to be like slowly formulating and all that kind of stuff as well, right? Oh, yeah. Or or, or you will know more closer to, you know, when it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be a lot of um, filming in Kamloops again and then more Vancouver sessions. Yeah. Um, and then uh, maybe a couple little trips here and there. Lots mm-hmm. of British Columbia. I don't think we're going to stray too far. So nice. Any anywhere within that structure. Awesome. Yeah, put on your Greg Mizoram. Yeah. Totally. Twenty fourteen skates and uh, yeah. Experiment. I know that's that's what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh shit. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm gonna go. I don't know what I'm gonna go do. I'm gonna feel really weird because 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 uh, this was so good. I sometimes feel really high after some of these conversations. Yeah, totally. Just uh, I have trouble sleeping because I get too excited about rollerblading. Yeah, yeah. So you, you know what I'm it. gonna do? I'm gonna go back to. Um, I have this keyboard sitting right in front of me, and I've like I said, I was learning songs on YouTube, and um, but I go through these periods where I start learning something new and then like I get really angry because I'm not doing it the way I should be doing it and then I finally just say, oh, fuck this, I'm not playing. And then I go like a month or two or three without doing it and then I'm like, no, I, I like doing it, you know? So then I come back to it and then I like start doing it again. And I recently um, am trying to learn some songs from the movie Cloud Atlas have you oh. ever seen that movie? No, I haven't seen it yet. I know it's it's a hefty thing to take oh, in. Oh, it's so. it's a it's a real hefty one, and you, it's one you're gonna want to watch like multiple times. Um, but it it had a huge, it had a very real impact on me, um, in a really rad way, and the music I just I love. So I've been trying to like learn, and like just a couple days ago I started uh, started do do a song you want to hear a little bit of it yeah um and then and then i get yeah play us out that'll be the end okay now 
I'm just warning. Anytime I put myself on the spot, I usually mess up, but I'm feeling pretty good right now, so maybe I won't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'll just play the little beginning part that I'm learning right now. Okay, ready? Yeah. <sighs> oh, can you hear that? Yeah. Good? It it's it's good. It's like lo fi. I like it. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Is that good? Yeah. Okay, ready? Yeah. <sighs> okay. <sighs> oh, wait, let me start it again. Okay, I'm gonna do it to kill it this time. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, ready. Okay, we'll just go that far. <laughs> Holy, that's some emotional stuff. Yeah, I know. That's I really like the like heavy emotional piano stuff. You can feel your your tear ducts want to start producing tears when that song plays. At least for me. Like you yeah. could put that to some images and it's just instantaneous emotion. Yeah, and it's really nice to be able to actually play some music that you can really uh put your own like depth like in-depth feelings and emotions like into you know what i mean it's something i've never been able to do and actually with this particular song it's uh allowing me to like do that so it's really cool well i felt it awesome (laughs) um and well i guess we've had our last words a few times so yeah. This is the signing off part. Thanks again, okay. Rob, and we'll Thank do you. it very Thank soon. Thank you for uh, doing this with me. This was a lot of fun, and I hope we do it a lot more. Have an excellent night and take care of the knee for all of rollerblading, please. <laughs> I will. I okay. will. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Later. Right, later.